Throw me the idol. No time to argue. Throw me the idol. I throw you the whip. Give me the whip. Adios, señor. Hi, Tech Move fans. Keith Moreau here. I just wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded a few months ago at the end of July 2016, but I just now had the time to get together. Don't worry, all the information here is as relevant or irrelevant as the day it was recorded. And just to let you know, we have our next Tech Move episode, which is episode 33, In the Can, and that episode will be out shortly as well. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a brand new marathon episode of Tech Move. Coming to you from high atop our studios in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're listening to Tech Move. This is episode 32. In today's show, the Tech Move gang gets the ball rolling on an episode of nothing but intros and playing catch up with one another. I'm Rod Louie, and with me is Keith Moreau. Get ready, it's time for another exciting episode of Tech Move. Let's go! Well, welcome back, everybody, to our little show we like to call Tech Move. This is episode 32, as we've mentioned in the introduction. Uh, Rod Louie here with you. And, of course, I'm always joined by the one and only, the world-famous Keith Moreau. Keith, how are you, sir? I am very good, Rod. Thank you very much. And it, you? Oh, I'm, I'm doing very well. It's uh, so good to be uh, back doing the show after an extended vacation. I hope uh, all <laughs> your jet setting uh, to all the various uh, NABs and CAVs and the <laughs> QFRs have all uh, yes. uh, been done. Yes, SPCA. Right. <laughs> they've all been done. Right. Good. Excellent. I'm done traveling for a while. Excellent. No, that's that that's good. But uh, you know, we we hope, folks, you've enjoyed some of our uh, very uh, painstakingly put together uh, interview segments that we've had. Uh, Keith, uh, again, fantastic job for being our man on the street, uh, while I lounge at home with a nice hot chocolate, uh, not having to go anywhere. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Very, very good. Well, hey, uh, so, you know, great times. But, uh, you know, it is time, Keith, for us to launch into a brand new episode of Tech Move. So much has occurred since we've last talked. In fact, I don't even think uh, we use digital cameras anymore. I think there's probably no. some sort of new technology that just implants behind your eyeball somewhere. Yeah, it's actually analog. We've <laughs> we've gone back to analog, but hang on, let no me more di- no more no more digital. Let me let me turn <laughs> off the record button on my eight track. Hang on. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you know, so much has so much has come around, and uh, s- since the last time we talked, 
so much so, ladies and gentlemen, we've decided that what Tech Move has to do right now is that we've got to launch into just some of the new things Keith has obtained since our last recording, which I'm sure is a multitude of things. Uh, and, <laughs> and and so Keith is never at a loss for new product, new reviews. And so, uh, Keith, let's just dive right in uh, right now because uh, the person, the, the UPS slash FedEx driver who's got to make those deliveries to you must absolutely hate you for having to climb the stairs like he has to do every single day uh, that that he works. Yes, he he hates me. In fact, all the delivery people hate me. Although, to be to be fair, the UPS guys are probably the best out of the three or four services that I have. Oh, really? Um, yeah, they're the least lazy because they actually will they will come down to the bottom of the stairs and and put the package down there. On track people and the U.S. mail and. And do they do they maybe, leave it up at the top of like where where they, like the driveway and stuff like that? Yeah, they leave it the driveway but with a little sign post saying free, <laughs> you know. And uh, where it's like so where it's so easy for just the the pickup truck to just throw it in the back of their uh, of their bed at any time, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I've caught dog walkers taking my stuff, and you know. And, but uh, you know, luckily I have twenty uh, four hour surveillance on my properties. So. Yes. Exactly. I, you know, that's yeah. a good thing, and, th- and that's why. That's but, great. Uh, yeah, but he actually, we actually had to interrupt our like the initial part of this recording because the, the the bell rang because for four well, for three days straight the UPS guy has been trying to deliver a package that needs signature, and I ordered it through Amazon, but it's kind of I don't know I don't know how they do it, but Amazon has a relationship with Adorama. Yes. So uh, occasionally I'll buy stuff kind of through Amazon and Adorama. Adorama. I don't usually buy directly through Adorama. Oh, okay. But but if I can get it like a Prime through Amazon, then I'll get it because it's free shipping and it's pretty quick. But um, anyway, so but for some reason, Adorama needs to have a signature. Like they don't even allow you to just sign the little slip that they leave at your door. That right. Is a spot for a signature. Right. It's like they have to have you in person. That, that's so inconvenient. Yeah, and they they also have to have a notary come and and witness you signing it. So it's really inconvenient. Now. Uh, 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 right, and they ask for your birth certificate too. Is that correct? Oh yeah, birth certificate, thumbprint. So, uh, but but previous arrest record. Usually, can uh, now I know this is probably not something you want to do, but in the efforts of this three day extended period that you had to spend, can't you just go to your UPS, uh, 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 you know, sorting location and just pick it up there after hours? I could do that. I could do that, and I have done that um, pretty often. Yeah. Uh, for some really big stuff. Yeah. Because I really don't want to. I'm really anxious for it. You know, like I think of my last couple big camcorders, I did that, like for the FS5 and maybe one of the E7s. Mm-hmm. But uh, this was like a cheap little $200 thing, so I don't care that much um, if they leave it there. I mean, I'm in, actually, honestly, if they, I'm in a very safe neighborhood. Uh, Brisbane is a pretty safe area, and I'm kind of way in the boonies. I'm not. I don't get a lot of traffic. Right. So uh, I, I feel pretty confident with them leaving it. Um, I don't think I've ever actually had anything stolen. And I, and I do honestly do have security cameras and stuff. So for all those people out there that think that maybe they can, uh, you know, have like a little free UPS delivery, uh, I got you. I've got you on surveillance. So, so. <laughs> and we know how successful those surveillance tapes are yeah. always, right? They're, right? they're usually just good for America's funniest videos. Uh, uh, <laughs> 
hosted by the late great Dick Clark, and then that's about it. But. <laughs> Automatic blurring of the faces, right? Exactly. So they can't be identified, right? But, uh, exactly. Uh, but uh, anyway, so yeah, so I just have them leave it here. And but anyway, the the bell rang, and I had to rush up. I had to say, "Sorry, Rod, I need really need to get this." So I ran up there, and the guy said, "Yeah, I'm sorry. Just there's liability if I don't if I don't." get the signature sure. he was actually nice he's an well, CPS well it's, guy, a, it's so. not his fault it's not his no. fault you know it's uh no. it's always the the the, the vendor that, that it's always the, yeah that. it's the vendor yeah it's adorama's fault adorama. anyway so i want to talk about so we're going to talk about stuff right yeah so you're going to talk about some stuff i'm going to talk about so yep exactly so, I got, um, so what i got and it's not really a new exciting thing really it's actually a, a duplicate of something i already have Okay. Uh, that I've used a lot. Um, it's so Rode, which is a pretty famous m- microphone manufacturer. They're from Australia, actually. Which I am the proud owner of one of their first fantastic mics for uh, DSLRs, the, the video, video mic, mic pro. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which you and, and I were very, very pleased with. Yep. I've got one of those, and uh, I've got the even the original video mic, which is this long, really ugly thing that I never use anymore. Mm-hmm. But Rode has a Rode is a pretty established microphone maker you very know, much kind so. of up there like sennheiser and yep. sure and stuff so but they they came out with this kind of innovative line of microphones um actually if you hear them in the background i don't know if you can hear them but i do it sounds parrot. like chirping birds <laughs> it's actually uh the parrots Is so it? there's this really famous movie called the Paragra- parrots of telegraph hill okay um actually it's a really great documentary who it actually was done by a a, a friend of mine her name is Judy Irving, mm-hmm. and she's a San Francisco filmmaker or documentary maker. And it was like, you should see it, Rod, because it's actually really good. But um, it was it was um, it was done quite a while ago. But it's like it's like one of the most successful documentaries ever made. Really, unbelievably, yeah. It's a really heartwarming documentary about these parrots. And this woman, Judy Irving, was like a starving documentary maker before she made this, and now she's rich, rich. Not really, but she's she's well off because of this documentary. Hmm. And I've actually worked with her quite a bit. Um, but anyway, the parrots that were just like all over Telegraph Hill, you know, when you go into the city, you know, there's all the parrots, the green, they're actually green parakeets. Sure. Brazilian parakeets. They call them parrots, though, just for short. Um, they're all over the place. Well, they, they actually have a colony here in Brisbane. So like in the summer, they come out and they're just flying all over the place, squawking all over, you know, hanging out. So... Anyway, <laughs> very good. Let's get back to the point. The Rode microphone, uh, the Rode microphone that I that I the ones that I uh, am using a lot now is the Rode Lavalier. And uh, if you look into really higher end um, Lavalier mics that are kind of small, they are really expensive. They can get up there. Yeah, they can. Uh, yeah, like like the. Um, like another kind of similar one uh, is a Countryman. It's kind of a small one, but this Rode Lavalier is really, really small. Like the little, like imagine, it's basically an eighth of an inch in diameter mic. Okay. And it's about one inch long, the actual mic. So it's really teeny. It's kind of like a toothpick, almost okay. like a fat toothpick. Nice. And and um, and it sounds really good. It actually sounds really good. So what I use this a lot is for concealed mics. So I actually will tape it underneath um, 
somebody's sh- uh, shirt or garment, sometimes okay. up against their skin. I used to tape it to their skin, okay. actually, but then I re- then I found a better way, which is less invasive for the person, mm-hmm. like they don't have to have, which is usually, um, there's this other company called Rykote. You may have heard of them. It's R-Y-C-O-T-E. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It came out with a pretty cool product. They're called um, Undercovers and Overcovers. Okay. And and they are just basically little foamy. They're pieces of foam that are very small, like about an inch in diameter. They're kind of teardrop shaped. And if you can imagine that the teardrop, the pointy part of the teardrop goes down towards the cord part of a lav. Okay. And the kind of kind of roundy side is on the top where the mic. Where it covers the, the, actual, the actual mic portion of the of the unit. It's kind of it. Well, you, what you do is you. It's kind of like double-sided tape, basically, kind mm-hmm. of foamy double-sided tape. Mm-hmm. And so you, you 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 stick one side to the mic, and then you stick the other side, and it kind of overlaps. And you can stick that to a shirt or anything, and it just basically tapes it, and keeps it taped on. And so you can do that, but to avoid um, like noise from rubbing and stuff, mm-hmm. I use I usually the, use these things called overcovers, and they're actually meant to be windscreens. So they're kind of these fuzzy things, kind of like fuzzy dead cats, but they're like mini versions of them. Okay. And they exactly fit the same size. They're they're round, round teardrop teardrop shaped, and they fit. They match the little double sided sticky um, product that the Red Cody makes. Oh, okay. So what you do, what I do, is I take the teeny little road lav, I stick it in, in in this uh, this use I use this double sided. Um, overcover piece is basically, basically double sided kind of foamy tape. I have one in front of me. I, w- I wonder what they're actually called. Um, I don't know if the product has an actual name for the sticky part. We'll have to look that up and put mm-hmm. that in the show notes. But mm-hmm. yeah, what do they call it? Um, you might be. You could probably look it up if you want, just to so we're on the same page. Right. But you peel. You peel this. Um, this thing, this kind of double-sided tape from the sheet. What is it called and again? It's a. It's called a. And the, the ones that I use are called overcovers. All one word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just called overcover adhesive pads. Oh yeah. And I see the picture and, of it now. Yeah. Yeah. They they and look they look for a teardrop or uh, or eyedropper kind of. Uh, Eyedropper kind of uh, shape to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And so, the top portion, the kind of roundish portion, goes where the mic element is. Right. Kind of the the sound would right. be entering, right. and then the pointy part is where the cable would be. Okay. So, I basically stick uh, stick the mic, the little teeny little uh, road lav mic, in there, and then on the other side. The side that's facing this, and I stick that that whole thing to somebody's inside of somebody's shirt. Oh, so it's so so it would be on sticking to the shirt, not to the skin. So rather than the invasive to the skin, like you used to do, now you're sticking it to the inside of a shirt. Inside of the shirt, and then what I do is I put the um, the overcover, which is kind of a furry thing, mm-hmm. on the on the facing the skin side. So okay. I stick that on the other side of the mic facing the skin side right and so basically you have this kind of buffer for any kind of movement that might happen so the shirt the shirt is not going to be moving in relation to the mic because it's stuck to the shirt but the skin underneath might be you can imagine that the 
You sure. know, like when you move around the shirt, the shirt is moving in relation to your skin. Well, sure. in this case, any kind of friction that might happen is kind of absorbed by the by the uh, fur mm-hmm. that's touching their skin. Right. And so it actually makes for a fairly quiet um, lav body mic situation. So that's that's kind of how I've evolved it. I used to put I used to do it the opposite. I used to put stick it directly to their skin and have the furry part facing the shirt. <laughs> wow. Okay. And and it's okay. I mean, most people are okay with it, but um, it the other way is better and less invasive. Right. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, another. Well, if 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 that doesn't uh, sometimes there's other kind of not so great situations for mounting the mic, but for the most part. Um, putting it on the shirt if there's nothing kind of around there rubbing mm-hmm. the shirt at that point is really good. Anyway, so these are these are pretty good. They have this concept called a Micon connector. And the Micon connector, it's it's basically a very, very small threaded electrical connector. Um, and you can put different kinds of connectors onto it. So when you get one of these road mics, it doesn't really come with anything. It just has this Micon connector at the end. Of the, it comes with a cable, mm-hmm. but then the the other end of the cable has this, I guess, male micon connector, and you can't use it with anything unless you get other road parts. <laughs> oh, okay. Adapt kind of like adapters. So it's a micon to XLR adapter, or a micon to eighth inch adapter, or micon to Sennheiser wireless adapter, and so I have a bunch of these different adapters. But it's kind of cool because if you do. If you are going into an XLR, um, you know, recorder, it's best to use the XLR because it's balanced and it sounds really good and it's powered by the XLR, uh, by the phantom power. Um, but if you're going to like a Sennheiser wireless system, which has like a little screw, uh, you, you probably used those connectors where it's an eighth inch connector, but there's also this extra safety thing with a screw in uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. over the jack. Okay. So I have a few of those for my Sennheisers. Um, so anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good, um, pretty good solution if you don't want to set up like a boom mic or if it's not convenient to set up a boom mic. So I'm starting to do situations where it's not just, uh, kind of a talking head, right. in which case a boom, boom mic is pretty easy, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot easier for the talent and sounds really good. Um, I'm doing, sometimes I'm doing situations where I'm getting like an overall view of the environment. Mm-hmm. You know, where the, the person's there talking, but there's also this whole environment around them. Right. Or, or they have maybe they have a wireless mic on them and they're moving around. So mm. in that case, you can't have a boom, really. Well, you could have somebody get a sound person, boom operator, like, following them around, which is possible. But but it's harder so to do. It's harder to control as a single operator and stuff it like It is. That. Yeah, yeah, you have to definitely have help to sure. do that. And, and people's arms get tired. Right. So <laughs> Yeah. But... um yeah, so I'm starting to use these more. Um, I was in a, a shoot recently where I had a situation where I had two people that needed to be mic'd, and I only had one of these uh, lobs. I had another thing called a pin mic, which is pretty cool, another road mic. It's similar to the lob, but instead of um, a little, kind of like a mini, mini, mini microphone, it's actually got a what's called a vampire connector. It's got a um, connector that sticks through the fabric of their shirt. Mm. And then there's a little mic element button that sticks on the top, on the top side of the shirt. So you basically basically poke holes in their shirt from the underside, and then that's where the wire goes underneath their clothing and stuff. And then you got these three very, very sharp (laughs) 
uh, points and contacts, electrical contacts. <laughs> For and added shock really, value type of thing? Yeah. It, mm-hmm. And it's really easy to, you know, like prick your sure. finger and bleed all over them. <laughs> so don't do that. All <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but, but that works pretty well too. So I, I had that situation, but it's, it's not quite as concealed because you have this fairly large, it's about a three eighths of an inch diameter um, button mic that's on top of their shirt somewhere near their kind of close to their face. So, you know, like on their lapel or something like that, they're wearing like a really dark, um, something dark, mm. then it's great. Cause it just fits. It's, if they're wearing black and I use the black capsule cover, it's perfect. Cause it, it's basically invisible. But if they're wearing something different, it's kind of hard to match and you'll see this thing. So I'd rather have the option of having two concealed mics rather than just one. So that's why I got my second, uh, road love. I have a question. So the yeah. Rode Lav that you're talking about, is it called the F- Rode Filmmaker Kit? Is that what it is? Or is it s- uh, really something else? What is it? It's called the Rode Lavalier. I think they only make one. Let's look on let's look on, I'm, 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 on I'm on the Rode. Oh, there it is. Yeah. There is Lavalier. Yeah. And I don't know if it shows you how teeny the little element is but it's really really small yeah it looks very it looks very small yeah in the pictures they just kind of show it with uh with a little windscreen on top Mm -hmm. but actually the mic itself is teeny so it's actually really good for that use that i showed it i i would also use it for you know you can obviously clip it on the front of front of people if you don't mind the mic showing sure it's good for that as well right right yeah but i think it's Yeah. yeah but i think it's main in my opinion for me it's most useful um, as I've concealed my, cause it's so small. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. Now, uh, in, in your, uh, experience, uh, uh, and I think you mentioned this earlier. I just want to be clear on it. If it's your choice, you would rather have an overhead mic to, pr- to, uh, to gather sound. Yeah. I think it's the, the least problematic if the framing works. Okay. Yeah. Just cause the set, you have control over the sound and then you're not, you're not at the mercy of somebody moving around and mm-hmm. making noise on the mic. Okay. It's, it's once you set it up, it's a lot easier. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Good. So are you at all using the video mic pro, uh, anymore or are you putting that on a boom and sometimes using that when, when need be? I haven't used the video mic pro for a couple of years. Really? Okay. Mm. I use the sure, uh, VP 83 F. Okay. Um, let me look that up. I I would actually recommend that, and I'll 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 tell you why. Give me that again. The sure what? The sure VP. Um, eighty three. Eighty three F. F. Yep. It's a very catchy name. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um. Oh, these, so these it's companies. it's it's almost about the same profile as the VideoMic Pro. It's pretty much the same size. It's yeah. a little bit heavier. Yeah, because it look, looks a little bit more, looks like you can have a little bit more controls on it. It looks like there's a little LCD screen on it or something like that. Yeah, there's actually, it's actually an integrated recorder. Oh, that so it's, it, really self, it's really self-contained then. It's really self-contained. And oh, it's got nice. a, and if you want to, you can have put the output to um, your your camera and you can even use headphones with it to monitor it. That is, nice. yeah. that is pretty um, nice. Yeah, it's it comes with a built-in shock mount, which was is way better than the original uh, road. The new road has something similar, right. shock mount wise. Yes, but, 
But um, but the thing that's kind of cool, it's self-contained, so you don't have to have any extra wires right. sticking out and, and extra complications. And it's got its own really nice recorder in it mm -hmm. that you can put, you know, any, you could put big cards in it, like eight or six, I think 16 gigabyte cards. That's pretty nice. Yeah, and you can adjust the gain and, and other features in it. Um, that's pretty nice. I don't think that you, looks good. Yeah, I don't think you can, I don't think you can have different levels for the left and right channel. I think it's just, just one channel, but... I could be wrong. I have to play with it open wire. I just haven't delved into it too much. But uh, I've just kind of set the level to gain and then just kind of let it go. But the thing that's really cool is it's, a, it's independent from your camera. So yeah. you have your on-camera sound. Right. And then you have this. And so there's some things that maybe you want to have on-camera sound, a little bit more ambient mm -hmm. sound. Sure. But then, then this one you can use for that directed sound. And then if you want to, like say, for example, maybe you want to get a little bit closer to your... Um, to the person that's speaking, but your your camera has to be kind of far away. Yeah, you can actually just take it off your camera, and then use it as a mic, like a like a boom mic, if you want. Nice. And put it close to them. So like the other day, I had I was kind of in a situation where I wasn't really that prepared for a really good like interview sound, mm -hmm. but the people were very <laughs> talkative and were into it. So I just said, oh, I'm just going to do an impromptu like recording. So I took this off my one of my A7s that I had it on my handheld A7. And I just had, um, like the the wife of the guy that was talking, like hold it, hmm. kind of from the from the base, so it wasn't too um, wasn't too noisy, shock um, handling noise, and just had to aim it at the person's mouth, a little bit off frame, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and just held it. And then you have this re recording, and then you still have your 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 ambient sound on your on your A7 or whatever you're using. Uh, well, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. pretty neat. So I like it. Yeah, it's three hundred bucks here. Well worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm starting to use that now. I haven't used my Rode for for as I said for quite a while, just because I got this and whenever I need it on a little DSLR or mirrorless, I'll use this. Sure. 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 Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So right. if you want a good deal on a another a Rode Video Mic Pro, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know. You know. My. I'd probably just buy it just for those stupid rubber bands, those stupid yeah. uh, ru stabilization <laughs> rubber bands that I keep losing and keep falling off. So that's that. Yeah, that was just, our just some, that was our big some, problem with the thing was was just that was uh, yeah that was so poorly thought of. So. Yeah, it's kind of funny how uh, designers can make some a really good technical thing that sounds really good, and then they just kind of, I don't know, somehow they they, it's like let's get it out. Yeah. yeah. People, what about these rubber bands that just fall off? Right. Ah, it doesn't matter. Get it out the door. <laughs> We've been working this for a year. Get it out. Exactly. It's good enough. Exactly. <laughs> <You> no. <know? laughs> that's exactly what it is. Well, that's yeah. just so they can sell version two and then and then charge us again for it. You know. Oh, that's probably true. So, <laughs> all right, good. Well, that's the uh, road lavalier that uh, that uh, is the. Uh, newfound friend of Keith Moreau right now, which is uh, which is a nice little thing. Um, let us move to something that I have no idea what this is. What is the Micron concept? What is that? Oh, I'm sorry, but that's actually it's called Micon, and it is part of the road. Oh, it's Micon system. It's yeah, it's called Micon. They oh, call Micon. It Micon. It's okay. that little connector that's really teeny that plugs into other adapters. Oh, okay, okay. And I and I do have to give people a little bit of warning about the system. I love the system conceptually, but I've actually had a few failures on the Micon connectors. <laughs> so, uh, like, I have the little 
um, I have quite I use the eighth inch ones quite a bit and I guess I handle I guess they're in rough conditions because they're basically on people uh, using built-in recorders that I have on people uh-huh um, and they go into eighth inch check and I have them taped up and I've had a couple failures possibly because of the rough handling of the connector and the jack but I think there's something a little wrong with their design on the jack in fact just yesterday or the day before I actually called road because I had a I had a, like a box of these filled connectors I like three of them oh, okay and they're like if you look at you know like if you bought a one of these eighth inch connectors at Radio Shack you know there's that kind of shell that comes off yep. and unscrews exactly and then you can solder it and make your own cables or whatever right correct so they it's kind of they're kind of like that these little micons so there's a little micon connector on one side as part of the shell on the other side is the regular eighth inch thing and then, and then and they're I don't think they're supposed to unscrew because but mine have unscrewed kind of on their own okay and so I just unscrewed it you know all the way and. Looked at it, so so, so they've pulled apart or what have you. Yeah, they've basically unscrewed, and then in unscrewing, it actually destroys the connector in the inside. <laughs> so there's a couple, and it's really the parts and stuff are really really teeny in there. Like there's a little diode and a couple teeny little uh, wires. Right. Um, and so obviously, I don't know how they actually, you know, make these things, because uh, I don't know how they would actually, you know, get it to connect while it was in the case you know all c- contained but right. for some reason they haven't put the right kind of glue on the, the part that <laughs> unscrews um and they just kind of if they handle a lot they seem to unscrew at least the ones i had uh-huh. you know and so i just said so is it supposed to unscrew and like i said well the mic on connector is supposed to unscrew because you screw the mic on thing on i said no that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about the the part that on the other side <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and the guy that I was talking to, the road guy on the phone was nice, but he just could not believe that I had broken this many connectors. <laughs> so, he, so he like said, well, actually it was kind of funny because I'd done this, I, I'd had a couple other broken connectors before and I called them or, or emailed this and, you know, I have two broken Micon connectors. Uh, and they said, really? Or, or they emailed and said, oh, we're going to send a couple new ones out to you. And they just sent me a couple new ones. Right. Out. And I think I just stored those. And I had a couple others extras. Well, a couple others one or two others broke as well. So when I talked to this They were flabbergasted guy, when you said f- that. They were flabbergasted. So he just said, you know, instead of us sending you new ones, we're just going to have you send back your broken ones and to see what you're doing to these. Oh. <laughs> so, and then, and then we'll give you new ones, but we want to see what's causing these failures because right. this is really unusual. We don't get any returns on this. Right, right. So I don't know. I, 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 think, I don't think it's true because I've seen some of the reviews and a lot of people say, Systems are great, but the Micon connector sucks. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if it's just you know what exactly it is. Because I actually called them to figure out, you know, is this something that happens? Of course, they're not going to say it happens all the time. Right. Of course, it's a not. sucky design. Right. No, they don't. They wouldn't say that. Of course not. Right. <laughs> but anyway, so we'll see. That's my only. That's my only. Um, you know, caveat with this, with this particular. Thing is, it's a great concept because of the modularity of it, right? And the and the and, and the fact that it's a great sounding mic with fairly inexpensive because you could spend like a thousand dollars on a similar mic, right? Um, with similar sound, so that part's really good. The mic on connector, not so sure. Maybe when you use it, you need to like really tape it up and you know make sure that the connector itself is kind of protected in right. addition to whatever design they have. So that's it. Right, right, that's, right, right. That's the Micon concept. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. good. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that that got cleared up. 
Well, then that's good because now that we're through with that, we can move on to what I actually am very interested to hear about. That was just I'm, the teaser. Right. That was just the teaser. <laughs> I am very interested in hearing uh, your discussion about the Sigma 18 to 35 uh, new lens that you that you picked up. Uh, yeah. I believe that's the art lens, if I am correct. Yes. It is the kind of pretty famous Sigma yeah. 18 to 35. It's used... Every, so on an, everything it, nowadays, it's used, it's used on, on it's used on every system that there is. It's used on every system. It is not a full frame lens, so that's something you have to. It's an APS-C lens. So if you put this on a full frame camera, you will not get, you'll get a little circle. Okay. Um, but if you put it on APS-C or smaller, a lot of micro four thirds users actually use it. Oh yeah. Um, they, there's a combination where they can use a speed booster in this, and there's the famous you know wedding videographers and photographers that use this a lot. I, a I know that when, uh, you know, I bit for my GH1, I had considered the Sigma art lens along with the speed booster. And that should have done me just beautifully. Yes. And, and actually it'll still work if you get an a seven R two, like I have, and that's mm. what I've been using it with. Okay. Um, but one of the other things that like, I wasn't going to just get this lens to get it. Because I have a lot of lenses that are similar to it. Okay. I mean, I didn't really say I absolutely have to get this Sigma. Now, one of the things it doesn't have is image stabilization. It just doesn't have it. So, so for cameras that don't have image image stabilization built into the sensor, it's I don't know if it's like a slam dunk. I know a lot of GH4 users use it, and that doesn't have built-in stabilization on the sensor. Right. Um, but I don't think I would get. An all-purpose lens without image stabilization. Luckily, though, the A7, the new A7 II series does have a stabilized sensor. Right. So it's it, in it, body, in body stabilization. Yes, in body stabilization, and I think the Olympuses as well in the micro four thirds area, but they're not the best for for video. Mm. So anyway, so it's kind of kind of the reason I got it because it makes sense with the A7. Yes, it doesn't make as much sense with a Sony FS5 because that doesn't have the built-in sensor stabilization. Mm -hmm. So, um, but also it makes sense because um, Sigma just came out with this su supposedly great uh, adapter called the MC11. It, it makes supposedly makes Sigma lenses pretty much identical to to the uh, Sony native lenses when it comes to all the functionality, including autofocusing. What what is that again? What is it? Called? It's called. It's called the MC11, and I think it's MC-11. Mm -hmm. um, you could look it up, but it's basically kind of like a Metabones. It is a Metabones. Okay. It's not a speed booster. It's just a, you know, clear. There's no. There's nothing in the middle of that. But it, it electronically is like a Metabones. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, uh, is is this just more of a adapter? Like it's it's a it's a it's a in this case a Sony. Um, Sony E mount mm -hmm. to a uh, EF mount lens. I got the I got the Canon mount, the EF mount for the right for, for the, the Sigma, Sigma art lens. Yeah, and then on, on that I put this MC11 adapter, and then I can and then I can uh, I can either use it straight on a Canon camera, and I still have one Canon camera, right? Um, or I can use the, this adapter and, and have it go into my Sony cameras. So is this adapter? Is, is there any moving parts in it, or is it just a, is it just an adapt dumb adapter? 
No, it's actually well. It's it's it has no real moving parts, but it is a smart adapter. It's it's does all the electronic nice um, conversions, supposedly, mm. theoretically. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> right. 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 Um, right. Right. So so when it was coming out, everybody's saying, "Oh, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread." It's really like it's exactly like getting a a, a native Sony lens. Okay. Um, and th- that's kind of what I wanted because I'd found that when you use, for example, the Metamode adapter with Canon lenses, mm. it, it was kind of not very good, kind of really? slow or unreliable. Yeah, on the focusing part. Mm-hmm. On the other electronic parts, you know, like the aperture and and image stabilization, powering, those are the kind of thing. And and it was pretty good, but on autofocusing, it seemed like the Metabones was not so good. Hmm. Um, just un- not that reliable on some lenses. Okay. Like I wouldn't want to trust it. Like I wouldn't want to go. I'm just going to use this instead of a native Sony lens for autofocus. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna use this, and and so I just wouldn't trust it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's why I was pr- pretty darn excited about this MC11. I believe when you and I had talked about this last time, you you were really singing its praises. You as far as what it should be able to do. Yes, I was very, very hopeful. Uh, judging by the <laughs> tempered response, I'm going to guess that it has fallen short of your expectations. And meta bones, here we come again. Um, well, actually, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do. I, I just updated the firmware on this um, lens because it came out the lens and the and the MC11 because mm-hmm. they're both software updatable. Oh, which is nice. It is. It actually is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so the MC11 has a little USB port. Well, it's kind of like a special Sigma connector. Ah, you have to use the so another USB cable. so another twenty dollar cable you have to buy now. Um, no, it's at, well. Luckily, it comes with the oh with thank the MC11. goodness. Oh thank um, goodness. Yeah. So to update um, Sigma lenses, um, you have to you you have to get um, another part. It's like a fifty sixty dollar part called the Sigma Dock. Mm-hmm. That also has this proprietary little USB connector on it. So, so I got the dock because I wanted to be able to update my my lens um, and any other new Sigma lenses I get. Mm-hmm. So it's not that big of a deal. It's pretty cheap. Okay. Um, and then, if uh, you say so, <laughs> right? In in the whole scheme of things, for sure. So, the problem was that I could not get the Sigma. It's called Sigma Optimization Pro which I downloaded from the internet, mm-hmm. could not get it to work with my Macs. Could not get it to work. Oh, I mean, really? Recognized, yeah, could not get it to work. I even called Sigma, and they have an office in New York. Talked to a really nice guy named Mark mm-hmm. in tech support. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, well, make sure that your anti-virus and firewall software is off before you install it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? Wow, yeah, that okay. that's, that sounds fantastic. Well, it doesn't make sense to me, but right. anyway. Um, so... I had everything, you know, I, I, I re I uninstalled it and turned turned all my firewall stuff off. Right. Didn't really I don't think it really applies to the Mac, but I did it anyway to humor him and it still didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so I and then I tried it on my, another Mac at home, tried it with different cables. I actually have two sets of these proprietary USB cables mm-hmm. that Sigma makes. I tried okay. them with the two different things. Mm-hmm. Basically, no, nah, didn't the dock didn't work. The dock didn't recognize the lens. It rock it recognized that there was a there was a dock connected. So mm. something was communicating. It just wasn't fully communicating. Because what's supposed to happen is as soon as you plug in a lens that's compatible with the software, it, it populates it and says, oh, there's new software for your, your lens. You want to download it and mm. update it? Mm. Yes. 
So it's supposed to work that way, but nothing happened on the Mac. So I, I told this guy, I was actually in Maui when I troubleshot this. Because mm-hmm. um, I brought the Sigma to Maui mm-hmm. uh, with my A7R2. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I still used it a lot. And it was actually pretty, pretty darn useful. It was actually, it actually focused quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, fairly fast? Think, fairly fast? It was fairly fast. It was fairly fast. It was okay. fairly fast. It wasn't. It didn't seem as fast as as a native lens, okay. Sony lens, mm-hmm. but it was okay. It was okay. It seemed like it was better than the Metabones. It seemed like I could rely on it to actually focus. Interesting. Okay. Um. Not not super super fast, but um. So I used it there. I wasn't. I wasn't quite as impressed with how how slow it was to focus, though. It took a little while things to get in focus it wasn't as instant as i would like hmm. but um but other than that i used it a lot i used it a lot i used it to record a judo match mm-hmm. with a lot of action and close and far and just a lot of faces and i had mm-hmm. it on you know pretty large um pretty large apertures so shallowed up the field and so i liked it but anyway that's long story short i um the the dock does not work at least in my opinion with mac software but with a mac but i i loaded vmware mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, and I had Windows 7 on my VMware, my trusty Windows 7, which I think is one of the better Windows operating systems. Sure, sure. And I... I use that too. Yeah, I downloaded uh, the Sigma software, Mm -hmm. and it worked perfectly. Oh, really? (laughs) Even through VMware. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I don't think it's... That's the the trick right there then. Yeah, so anybody that that wants to use that has a Mac, just... I had problems with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, you're an exception. Right. You're... You're abusing your software. There's something weird with your system. But um, <laughs> you keep doing all these experiments. <laughs> um, but with Windows, it was perfect on the same Mac. So mm-hmm. I don't know. But anyway, I got it to work. Updated both the Sigma lens, which had an update, and also the MC11 converter, which had an update. Mm-hmm. And so now they're up to the most most recent, 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 recent software. And so if you want, I can. Like put my A7R2 on there, and we can kind of have a, a little, a little test of this new stuff to see if, to see if I think it's any better than before. Well, uh, it, it, you know, and that is very interesting for the listening audience, which is I know, which is very very good. But <laughs> I, okay, so let me ask you this: here's a real big thing. Given yes. what you've just said, yes, is it still better, or or shall I, maybe I'll ask it this way. Will you be buying Sony lenses? Uh, have you have you come to that thought? I, I I know you always think about it, but you know with 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 this you know with this MC11, um, you know, and the Meta Bones that are out there now. You you now you have the best of of what is available at this given time. Mm-hmm. Is it still? Is it good enough? To do what it does, or are you still gonna have to invest in Sony lenses? The Sony lenses that are available now are that much better than the Canon or Sigma combo mm-hmm. with the adapters. Right. Uh, I just like there was there was one kind of expensive Sony lens that I got that I returned because I didn't think it would look very good. Mm-hmm. It was the Sony Zeiss um, sixteen to thirty five, I think. Okay. Oh, no, and you, no, and you, was, no, no, no! It was a twenty-four to seventy. Sorry. Okay, yeah, twenty-four, 24 to, seven, to seven, and you returned F4. it. You didn't think it looked good. No, I thought it was soft. 
Really? Rosa. And that's actually, a, yeah, and that's a complaint. Now, there's a new G Master set of lenses for the Sony. Correct. They're just coming out, and they're supposed to be awesome. Right, and yeah. awesomely expensive, too, from what I understand. That's the thing. So you know, It's going to be so much money. It is. It is. So I have to see you know, what their built-in stabilization does, if they have a selection. You know, they, they'll have a 24 to 70. Mm-hmm. Um, although, if I'm using the A7R2 for video, the 24 to 70 isn't as useful as in a way as the 18 to 35, in my opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that is when you crop when you crop a 24, it's not that wide. When you mm-hmm. use a crop sensor on 24, mm-hmm. if you use a crop sensor, if you use a wide, uh, full frame sensor like the A7S2 mm-hmm. on a 24 to 70, then it's awesome. Then it's great. But right now, the A7S2 doesn't have the phase uh, detect autofocusing. Mm-hmm. So the autofocusing is bad on the A7S2. It's mm. just really bad. So, um, um, I, jury's still out on that. Wow. You know, the lens selection for, wow. for Sony. Plus, you know, I have so many Canon lenses. Right. I've got like, I've really, literally have gotten like 20 Canon lenses. Sure. That are, you know, it's probably like, I don't know how much money, but if I added it up, it's probably like $50,000 or more. Yeah. So it's a lot of investment in lenses. Yeah. So I don't know. So we'll see. Hmm. And, and I don't know if I'm going to always stay with Sony for camcorders. I may I may still do a combination of Canon and Sony. Interesting. Yeah. So but um the problem with the Sony lenses, the Sony branded lenses, they're really expensive for the higher end lenses. Right. I, I think I don't think they're as good a deal as, as the Canons. Absolutely. The Canon. And then all and then of course like the used market is so big on with Canon lenses and stuff like that. Nothing for Sony as of yeah. this moment. Too new. Yeah, too new. So I think maybe in a couple of years when Sony and Zeiss and other, you know, Sigma has their their line of Sony native lenses, then we might reconsider. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But right now there just isn't a lot of third-party Sony E-mount type lenses. Right. For whatever reason. I don't know why Sigma and Tamron aren't just creating a whole bunch. Because in my opinion, Sony's just totally dominating the full-frame market. Oh, absolutely! I, yeah. I I I think that that's a uh, uh, you know that's all you ever hear is is all the Sony product that's out there. That's why I think that new line of lenses is going to be pretty big. But boy, they're really shooting themselves in the foot by charging such a high price. Yeah, yeah, and and then the thing too is that once you get that Sony lens, you're really locked into that Sony, you know, the Sony world. That's right. You can't. You won't be able to adapt that lens to anything else. Right. That's it. You just. You're just kind of have to settle for okay. I'm from now on. I'm Sony. Yeah. So I feel kind of like it's limiting my my world a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, unless they made it, unless they made the price point a little bit more attractive, where hey, you know, I could go out on a limb and get this one one lens, but man, they're 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 really not making it easy for you. I mean, the the bodies alone are already pretty expensive, so. The bodies are pretty expensive, and they also come out with new bodies every year. Right. <laughs> and obsolete the old bodies. Yes. So exactly. the value on old bodies is 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 pretty low. Right. You exactly. Know? I mean, I still have my A7S from previous year. Right. And I, I, and I just, I'm not even sure what I'm going to do with it, because I don't think it's even <laughs> worth selling. <laughs> right. You know, five bucks. I don't know. 
how much it's worth. <laughs> right. I haven't really checked, but I think it's not very, worth very much. Right. And yeah. I, and then when they come out with the new, you know, A7R3 right. or A7S3. Sure. You know, what is my A7 uh, R2 going to do? R2, yeah, which that, was 30-something, well, like over $3,000. That, that's what that I'm gonna... waiting for. That's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting I'm waiting for, for that to, to, to drop, and then I'll be able to make my move. So, uh yeah, that's so. While we've been talking, I I put the adapter on my A7R2, the MC11 plus the Sigma. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on an auto focus mode. This is live, this. ladies and gentlemen. Live, you're hearing it live right now on Tech Move. I just want to remind you, Keith Moreau, adapting the uh, the Sigma Art lens to the. Metabones, oh, I'm sorry, to the uh, MC11. Is that correct? Sigma adapter. Yes. Here we go. And our experimentation is to see if this firmware has improved performance as far as the ability to focus quickly, not focus quickly, whatever it is. Keith will let us know. Keith, this okay, is so very I'm, exciting. I know, isn't it? No, this is great. Probably don't even have batteries in the thing. Uh, it's at 66%, so there I have about five minutes. <laughs> That's excellent. Very okay, good. Okay, so it's actually not bad at all, the focusing. I'm, I'm getting really close, and I have it on continuous focus. Uh-huh. And it's, it's actually pretty quick. I'm actually pretty happy with it. Hey, the the see. test, of course, is always in the field. At home, it always seems to work just fine, but it's in the field where 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 it really counts. And I actually think I, I actually have have my focus tracking set kind of kind of slow because mm -hmm. I was having some issues with fluttering. Mm -hmm. on, in fact, on the nat Sony native lens, when I was focusing, I would I noticed that on some of my shots, the background focus would be fluttering, like the person would be in focus. Mm. But it seemed like the camera was just continually focusing, 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 focusing. Just oh, all like the my GH one, very much like my yeah. GH one. Yes. And I was noticing because of that 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 even though the person was nice and stable and focused, like the background was always it was like jittery. It was weird. Hmm. I'll have to show you some examples. But I even asked Dave Dugdale about it, and he said, "Well, you can set your tracking speed slower for the focusing." And I tried that; it didn't make a difference. Really? Huh. Yeah. So, but there is a tracking focus speed on the A7. So, yeah, it's called uh, AF drive speed. I actually have it to fast right now. So let me put it to normal. And then there's the track sensitivity. So I'm going to put them both to normal and see how that looks. They were both pretty fast, so I think it's about as fast as it can get. Mm -hmm. um, but let me see. But maybe normal is better then, huh? I don't know. We'll see. Um. Yeah, it's definitely focusing slower now that I've changed the setting. Oh, it is slower. Yeah, the focusing is slower. Mm -hmm. It's not bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, all, it's kind of like a nice smooth rack focus. So, well, anyway, so I'm thinking, you know, maybe, maybe this is a good combo. Maybe it's a good. Maybe it is a good combo. Well, I can't wait for you to try it out in the field. Hear that? I hear it kind of rattling a little bit. Yeah, can you hear the rattling? Yeah, yeah. That's the autofocus. Oh, is it trying to find it and stuff? It's just moving. It's just whatever mechanism the Sigma uses yeah, is noisy. Re re remember how the good old GH1 was 
really super famous for how quiet autofocus was. Oh, yeah. Those and, little lenses are great. R- right. Now, is, is that not transferring to these to these Sony products now? Well, this is this particular one is uh, not a this thing that's making noise is the Sigma. It's the Sigma. Okay. Yeah, it's the lens itself that's doing the motor, mm-hmm. the focusing motor. Mm-hmm. So I'm holding it really close. You should be able to hear it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hear it. Yeah. I so that's it. going on all the Sounds time. Sounds like my autofocus. knees. Yeah. It's going on all the time at autofocus. So if you have an on-camera mic mm-hmm. and you're in a quiet, such kind of quiet it'll situation. Probably, it'll probably pick that up, won't it? You will pick it up. And that was actually the first thing that I noticed when I put this lens on. It's like, okay. This makes a lot of noise hmm. all the time. Yeah. Definitely makes more noise than the Canon lenses. The Canon autofocus is way less noisy. Mm-hmm. It makes mm-hmm. a teeny little bit of noise, but not like this. Mm-hmm. Not like that. Hmm. So that might be a, know, that, that might be a make or break for you, actually. Yeah, I mean, I love the look of the lens, and in a noisy environment, it doesn't really matter if I have somebody mic'd. Right. But Correct. if I have a, if I have that like that video mic pro or the sure yeah uh, thing on my camera, it will pick it up, and so it, then I'm gonna have to remove this in post. Yeah, which which I can. Right. It's just an extra step. Sure. But getting back to the look, the lens itself, I love it. the le- The look of the lens is awesome. It look it looks beautiful. It's one of the nicest looking lenses I've had. Is that right? So so it's yeah. worth all the accolades. It's worth all the bragging. That's gone on with regards to this lens. I I think so. I mean, for whatever it is, nine hundred bucks mm-hmm. for a, for a superlative, very fast zoom. You know, zooms aren't usually this fast. Mm-hmm. I think this is like f two. I think. Um, what does it go to? I think it's f two. Might be one point eight. I'm just turning it on to verify it. Yeah, one point eight. So that's. F one point eight. That's like almost prime territory. It's yeah. almost fast prime territory. Yeah, one point. That that's why it's such a a, a a popular lens. Yeah. Now, when you when you it's the, the focal length is not super long, so you won't necessarily get that super 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 blurry uh, background because it just can't. You can't really. It only goes up to thirty five. Right. So, but but still, if if you have a close subject, um, it's it looks nice. The bokeh looks nice. The the um, just the overall look of the lens is very, very, very high quality. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like it's, I feel like it's in prime lens territory. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yes, I, uh, yeah. So uh, I, I always have been fascinated by this particular uh, Sigma lens and and the the branding of it. Because it has gotten such high praise from so many different photographers, videographers. You know, so many of them say, hey, you get this along with the GH4 and a Metabones, you're set. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. You're done. And mm-hmm. uh, and you can do so many different types of projects with that. Mm-hmm. And everyone seems to be happy. Uh, and it sounds as if you, you might agree with that as well. Yeah, I, I think it's... For the price, right? For the price, if, it's if, almost a no-brainer on that one. It's kind of it's kind of a no-brainer for the the fact that it's so fast and it looks. The images are really really nice. They're very sharp. Mm-hmm. They're very filmic. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe this will go into that other discussion later about about the lens, just lenses in, gen, in general. Sure. But um, yeah, I would recommend it for the for the price and and even using this MC11 adapter is, is acceptable. Oh, good. Uh, so that sounds. 
like a fantastic combination. This MC11 Sigma 18 to 35 with whatever camera you've got, whether it be a Sony, whether it be a uh, Panasonic Micro Four Thirds, something like that. Sounds like this is a, a a really good thing. Yeah, I would I would say the lens quality and the look of the lens. I mean, forget about the focusing and the noisiness of the po- focusing. Mm-hmm. Um, just just from a visual standpoint and uh l- l- let's talk again r- rather quickly about the metabones mixed with the sigma your thoughts on mm-hmm. that um you know i haven't so that's another thing um metabones just recently updated their software and apparently it works really really well mm-hmm. on fo- autofocusing i think they they felt the pressure from sigma mm-hmm. and just others in general like i think they felt like maybe they were losing their their ground because Everybody's complaining about how badly things focused, right? With the Sony lenses, so I think they updated it to the point where it's with, where it's rivals the Sigma. Oh, well, that um, would be interesting to find out. Yeah, so I'm going to actually um, do a little bit of testing at some point with the Metabones because I just updated their software on both my Speed Booster and my regular one. Right. Um, and and I will get back to you on that because you know obviously I'd love to have all this stuff focus well. And that would be very interesting because, you know, of course, Metabones is, what, 600 bucks versus the uh, Sigma MC11, which is about, what, 250 something like that? Yeah, yeah. So so really, the so the, so the cheap version of the Metabones, which is kind of the equivalent of the Sigma, is about 400 Okay. So it's not that much more, but it's still almost twice as much. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's also f- from China. Right. So, and, this, well, the Sigma's, I guess, from Japan, but Sigma is distributed locally and... And I'm not sure if Metabones is, is this has the same distribution or not. Sure. But like when things go wrong, I think you have to send it back to China. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but still, you know, they were they were the original. And they're still a contender. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Unless there's some some kind of flaw with the design or the, with the electronics that just can't be overcome with the Metabones. Mm-hmm. The fact that they can update, you can update their firmware is pretty powerful. Well, it'll be very interesting when you do uh, uh, do your tests with the Metabones and using the same cameras, same lens, and and just the different adapters. That'll be very interesting to hear about that. Yep, yep. Yeah. I'll 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 be testing those out at some point soon. Good, good. Uh, Keith, we've been talking for a little bit. Let's give yep. the uh, tape recorders a little bit of a rest <laughs> for a moment. Yep. And uh, as I throw on another uh, inch and a half uh, on the reel to reel here. Uh, let me thread that and we will come back with our continuation of this introduction of tech move. <laughs> Can you believe that? This is all we've been talking for an hour now and it's, it's just in the introduction. Plus we still got more. Um, okay. So folks, uh, go get a drink of water. We're going to come right back with more of tech move. Right, and we're back here on Tech Move, and we want to continue on with our episode 32 introductions because it has been such a long time since we've been all together again. And Keith, I, I've been anxiously uh, awaiting to hear the update on the King TV 
um, repair. Uh, I, let's refresh yeah. the audience and uh, mm-hmm. let's talk quickly mm-hmm. about what what occurred to lead you to having to get it repaired. Yeah. So uh, one day I turned the came TV on and the lights went on, but nobody was home. It <laughs> was it was dead. It was, it was and and that's after was, having the thing for how long? How long did you had the I unit? Think really, I think I used it about a month. Right, I'd, I'd used it in about four shoots. Okay, good. Yeah, not a not a lot. Right, not a lot. You you would yeah. expect it to kind of last a little longer, just a touch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what the warranty is, but I'm sure it was under the warranty. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So so when I went to Cinegear LA, I I brought it to to David Wong. And he tried, and he couldn't figure out how to fix it, you know, because I thought maybe it would be like a software re redo, right? You could just bring it back, but no, it wasn't. So they took it back to China. Um, I communicated not with him, but with their representative, Catherine, who's really nice, mm-hmm. uh, on the email. And I, I wanted, I wanted to use it in Maui, so because uh, I was in Maui at the end of June, and uh, so I asked them to send it directly to Maui, and they did. They sent it to Maui directly. Oh, nice. Um, so I got it there. <laughs> the problem was is I didn't. <laughs> I forgot to pack the the charger for it. <laughs> it's like it's so much stuff to pack, <laughs> and uh, I didn't bring the charger. Right. Well prepared. Uh, I was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was able to, and I said, "Can you send me a charger to Maui?" Uh-huh. I said, "Yeah, that's fine, but can you pay for the shipping?" Right. And I said, "Uh, I don't know. It seems like it has some juice." And, and one thing about this Came TV single is the it. On one charge, it lasts a long time. So I was hoping that maybe they charged it before they repaired it, because mm-hmm. um, then I would it would probably last for the whole trip, even if I used it every day. Sure. So I just I just kind of ignored uh, their request for shipping charges. Right. But I got it anyway. There, <laughs> they sent they sent the they sent it anyway. They sent the adapter. Oh, so nice. Two adapters. Oh, yeah, good. That's really nice. And they haven't asked me for payment or anything. So. Yeah. Uh, Anybody until want they, until they come charger? after you. Yeah. Until they come after you. Right. <laughs> sure. Five bucks. Right. Came TV. <laughs> that you know. That's one thing that that bugs me about uh, just in general. All these different manufacturers. They always have these these special chargers and yes. special adapter proprietary plates. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, like for example, there's a little plate that goes on the bottom of the. You have to put your camera on this little plate for it to fit into the Came TV. It's the it's just like a regular quick release plate right. like for anything like Manfrotto or Swiss Arca, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's their own size, <laughs> and and you have to you have to you know use this or it will not work. Right. And even when I was there in in LA, I said, you know, why don't you guys just use Arca Swiss? It's like the standard. It's just a little teeny bit bigger than the plate you're using, uh-huh. and then and then I wouldn't have to change plates, or if I lose my plate, I could get another one. Right. And wouldn't have to order it from China. Well, but that's what they want you to do. So <laughs> you're you're telling them, hey, please let's not make any money at all. I don't think they make that much money on these plates. I think they charge five bucks for them. So right. I, I think it'd be more of a, a selling point if they use something standard. Yeah. And I'm not sure. And I'm pretty sure that all the other manufacturers of these things you do the same thing. They mm-hmm. have their own size plates, and you have to, you know. And if you lose it, you're stuck. Right. You know, like the other day. Okay, so basically they sent it to Maui. It worked perfectly, just like it was new. Mm-hmm. Uh, although there were a few more scratches on it. So I don't know if it was just they just threw in one that was working or they actually repaired mine. Or David, when he took it back home, you know, didn't 
packet. Yeah, he well, he 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 threw it in the container box with everything else that was left over from the show. I think probably that's true because when I brought it to him, I just gave it to him. I I, I should have given it to him with a case or something mm-hmm. to protect mm-hmm. it more. That was kind of mm-hmm. stupid for me, but um, it's okay though because I don't care. You know, it's to be used. You know, right. So, um, looks more road worn. Yeah, but it worked perfectly. I've used it on a couple shoots since then, and uh, works like it did when it was new. Oh, so, good. Yeah, one of our um, longtime fans, uh, Dennis Kane, who's a great guy. I've met him actually a couple mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Um, he he uh, said he actually also got a Came TV single and had a similar problem. So he thinks it's a design issue. But I did you know. ever find out what the? I mean, great, they fixed it. Did you find out what the problem Tronic was? Circuit board that kind of does everything. Yeah. Mm. So I don't know if that's something that just happens or is a bad batch or what. But I'm hoping this lasts longer because I really like it. It's very nice. It's a very nice uh, system. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. other okay. than that, the well, weird good. proprietary plate that I oh the other day when I was using was trying to use it, I, I spent like an hour trying to find that little plate. So I was saying, if they just listened to me and come right. out with the Arca Swiss plate, I wouldn't have to look for an hour. Right. Stupid little plate. Now you have to Is end it, up like taping it or like attaching it like to a key ring or something like that so you never lose it. I think I'm going to have it on, on like a little retractable, yes. you know, attachment or something. Yes. But... Uh, or, or put one of those little finders, you know, those Bluetooth finders on right, it. Right, right, right. So if I lose it. Right, the cube or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Those, those are but good. that might throw off the balance. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, great. Well, good. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm glad that that finally works. That's excellent. That's good. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks, now, thanks now, for I, asking. now I can rest easy now. Good. Now you can feel better about at least something that broke. Almost instantly from when you got repaired. Right, right. <laughs> Whereas my Nebula 4000 is working fantastic, so. Is it really? Yeah, I mean, it works. I mean, for, for the couple of times I've used it, it it's, uh-huh. it's working good. The, it, the hardest part really is the balancing. That's, that's that initial the, balancing. Yeah, yeah, that initial. Well, I for me, even the secondary balancing because, Uh-oh. well, you know, only because for me everything you know everything changes if i use a different lens i gotta oh, figure yeah. it out and stuff like that but in some ways too you could kind of get it to work uh it'll kind of work uh no matter what so um it's just all about fiddling with it and you know it, 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 it but i i love it i think it i think it works great i think it That's works great. great so when so when you're balancing it are you putting it on a tripod and yes i am putting okay. it on a tripod yeah. and i'm trying to do it uh like i saw in some of those youtube videos where you, you 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 tilt it right you tilt it left and they all have to stay you tilt it down it has to stay and then when, once you get that you're you're in pretty good shape okay that's good yeah that's good so yeah so, so it's, there's it's there's working. one there's one feature on it that is a little tricky but it works great for the gh4 Mm-hmm. Um, but for and and I think it'll work for anything. But it just makes it a little more complicated. Is the fact that the the platform part that goes forward and back. Yes. Um, that you know has something to do with like the center of gravity. Yes. Um, it it is not uh, like a hundred percent variable. It's it's like it has three different um, settings that has a little bit of variability in each, but. And you may not have even adjusted that, but it's I have not little, adjusted it. But yeah. uh, but I do know that every time I screw the camera to to that bottom plate, 
it inevitably moves. Yes. Right. And so it, yeah, it, and it so changes, that always, somehow just screwing it in changes the balance a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and that drives me bananas. That that is the that's the worst part of it. Right. That's the that, worst part. So so like yeah. you essentially have to sit it in there, and kind of work around that if you can. Yes. Yes. And that, and that I was kind of working on a little quick release mech- mechanism that would slide around. It was just a, an arc. Arca Swiss base plate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that was really really low. Like I filed it down to the point where it was really like pretty 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 close to the plate, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. existing plate. And right. um, but I didn't have a chance to perfect it. But if you would like, I can send you what I have, and you can see if that helps you. Maybe I'll have my brother-in-law machine that down. And yeah, you could actually you could probably do that to like to machine it to the point that it was just low enough where it didn't make much height difference. Right. And still right. kept the center of gravity kind of low. So, yeah. yeah, I'll send that to you because I don't think I need it. And it's a pretty cheap little part. So, oh, okay. I'll mail that to you sometime. Good. Maybe, maybe your brother in law could do something with it. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Good, 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 good. So, uh, okay, good. Well, that's good. So, that's a nice little update on the Came TV. And uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to share something with you. I, I had a project that I had to do. And uh, you were away. And so I couldn't ask you about your experience with after effects and whether or not oh, yeah. you uh you use that I'm, I'm sure you do but i don't know to what extent are you using after effects quite a bit i only use after effects if i really 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 have to <laughs> and, and i, I and, use motion instead apple motion is okay. way easier to use yeah and uh and do you use after effects for titling what do you what do you what would you use it for uh, let's see. What have I used it before in the past? I've used it for uh, moving around, like doing pan and scan kind of Ken Burns effects. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, um, on, back, on stilled, yeah, on stilled on stills, images and stuff like that. It can be pretty smooth right, for that. Right. Um, sometimes the stuff that's built into Premiere is not as smooth, although mm-hmm. it's getting better, mm-hmm. uh, and I've learned to make it better. Um, I've also used it for tracking. It's really got really good tracking if you want to um, do image stabilization, but. Uh, your automatic stuff like in Premiere or other apps is not working well mm-hmm. because it's just locking onto the wrong thing. Um, like, for example, <laughs> I did this tracking where for some reason my tripod was kind of unstable. Uh, it was, I think what was happening, my tripod was set really, really high. Mm-hmm. And then that center column that can go up was also really high because I just needed to get above people's heads. Right. And because of that, whenever, and the floor was not that sturdy, like it wasn't a concrete floor, it was kind of a wood floor mm-hmm. so when people walked it would just vibrate the tripod and so the oh yes just a little, sure. yeah sure sure, so, sure sure and then there's this pretty heavy thing with all the stuff on top that tends to yep you know it, it accentuates it accentuates that that whole movement yeah so i i wanted to study the footage so i used a couple different tracking methods in um premiere one was the warp stabilizer but just not the warping mode it was just the image stabilization mode where it just mm-hmm. kind of moves stuff around, moves mm-hmm. the frame around, mm-hmm. doesn't right. do any calculations. Right. Um, and and it, it, it would always track, like, the person's head. And so it was really weird because mm. it was like like their head would be moving around and the whole frame would be <laughs> would, would, would be, be jittery and stuff would, like that. It would just reframe everything based on their head movement. Interesting. And so oh. it was really, really weird. Huh. It was not tracking the way I wanted. I wanted to base it on like the microphone stand that they were um, in front of. Right. And to say that, you know, stabilize on that. Right. Just use that yeah. uh, t- as your stabilization point. And it just wasn't wasn't working. But they used their head instead. It just used the thing that was moving more to 
to zoom in on and make that part stable. How funny. So their head was not, so their head, if you looked at it, was not moving at all, but everything else <laughs> around them was moving. <laughs> so, so it's like attaching that GoPro to uh, like using a head device. So I, I imported the video into After Effects and I read about how to do it in After Effects. And you can actually just put a little, like you could say, I want this thing to be the tracking reference. Mm-hmm. And I just put it around the mic, the little knob of the mic head. Mm. That, and then it worked perfectly. Hmm. So any kind of movement in the whole frame was just uh, based on that mic head. So hmm. any kind of jitter that it had in, in the camera itself because of the movement of the camera was, was totally canceled out. It just zoomed in a little bit to compensate that for, for the edges right. being moved around. So, yeah, so that's an example. Like, I think the latest time I used After Effects or something Really yeah. Important. Well, well, all that because I had this project that I had to do where I wanted to do a, um, uh, I had to do a uh, uh, a book club announcement, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I didn't want to necessarily use video uh, that I shot, but I, it, but it was more like, hey, I I, I need to broadcast text a cover of a book and some still pictures ken burns type of stuff and 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 all this kind of thing right so geez what should i use and mm-hmm. um and so i i had, I had asked a couple people I, again because you were unavailable to me which i will hold you responsible <laughs> for uh forever uh now was i just refusing your calls no, you weren't text, refusing my calls. You were them. you were actually gallivanting around around the country. So you, th- th- no. th- this this was within the last like two three weeks or something like that, right? But you have to realize that no matter what I'm doing, I'm always available to you. Yes, this I realize. This this I realize, and, and which is good because I do have you on retainer, and <laughs> and uh, that 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 should be good enough. Okay, so uh, so you know, some folks were, were, you know, I was reading that, you know, hey, maybe I should use After Effects, and I said, gee whiz, you know, that's an awful lot for what I really want to do, and all this kind of stuff. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, somebody told me, um, oh, and the reason why I used After Effects because there was this fantastic YouTube video on a After Effects template that is out there that does a three D book. Uh, uh, like book review uh, 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 project, and it's really terrific. It's this really nice animation. It you know it's like this medieval type of thing. It looks really cool, right? Very very oh. nice. And, and then you get to add your own stuff, your your own uh-huh. text, whatever you want. Uh-huh. Well, of course, everyone's charging for that, right? For that template. Yeah. Rod Louie, he doesn't pay for anything around no. here, right? So no. we don't do that. So no. I had to find a different alternative for that. So I said, geez, yeah. I could, you know, I could build something up, but my gosh, how long is this going to take? And, I, and from what I looked at, it takes forever to build up these, these After Effects templates. Takes absolutely forever to do so. So no wonder they charge a lot of money for them because it just takes forever. Yes. So on a more simplistic thing, I said, geez, you know, should I just do PowerPoint? Uh, You know, that's kind of boring, but it is the de facto. Maybe I'll just do PowerPoint. And then somebody turned me on to Keynote. As part of Keynote. the yeah, as part of the yeah. iWork suite, right for Mac. It's the free software that Apple gives away. Yes, 
Yes. Exactly. To all the people that buy new Macs. To buy new Macs. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, so of course, I get my hands on iWorks, right? And I use Keynote. And I have to tell you, the Keynote templates are just terrific looking. They're just... It, 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 it has the, the Mac type of look. Uh, that that we're always expecting, that we're always looking for. It's so easy to drop in and out different types of media, whether it be you know JPEGs, text, uh, uh, a video, whatever you want. To you know, they make it relatively easy to figure out you know what kind of transitions you want to do mm-hmm. from what to what, and it just interprets. All the movement and and it, it just works f- fantastic. I, I I did my little video and uh, and and it turned out fantastic. That's awesome. No, I lo- I love it. So Keynote is now my uh, uh my favorite little thing. Did you export the video in Keynote? Yes, I did. did? Yeah. Yes, I did. I exported hmm. it. Uh, and and what I did was I took it a little further. I exported it. Uh, as a video and put it into uh, Premiere, and mm-hmm. then and then I added my soundtrack within Premiere. Oh yeah, that's cool. So that was the, even though Keynote allows you to add a soundtrack directly to it, and then and then you can narrate and all this kind of stuff, but it doesn't have quite as much uh, flexibility as Premiere does, and what you and I are used to. Yeah. Well, that's so, cool. So it that's worked cool. out. So it did work out great. Yeah, Keynote is a kind of amazing app that is, in my opinion, totally superior to PowerPoint in every way. Yes, and it and it is it is actually compatible with PowerPoint. You can, you can actually read PowerPoint. Yes, uh, stuff exactly, and you can export to PowerPoint uh, yeah. uh, file structures too. Yeah, they've done a great job with it. It's it's handling of media is way better than PowerPoint. It's kind of amazing. PowerPoint is still so lame about handling media. Uh, although, would you say that Keynote is still very... Uh, is it not extremely popular out there? I think it's not used that much. I right. think that because Microsoft and Windows is so popular and ever-present and on every single business machine out there. Yes. And it is like it is like the standard. Right. Um, and, and so everybody's sending PowerPoint stuff around yeah and and even though apple keynote is is compatible with powerpoint it's it there'll be little differences sure with fonts and things like that so if you start sharing with a person that doesn't have keynote they're gonna hate you right and and they're gonna think that you're just a mac freak that doesn't care about them right so um (laughs) but if you're doing your own project where you don't have to interchange stuff right and you want to use something that's fun and looks good and looks really cool and yep yeah, like I use sometimes I I've actually used it in the past for video presentations. Like if I have a, a bunch of short films that I want to play, yes, I just put that as one of the slides. I just import the film as a slide, and and then I can use that to advance. That's exactly what I did. You know, I had one side with text, and then the other side with you know JPEG and stuff. And it and the transition that it does is just so nice. It, it yeah, it it's really really stylish and stuff and. Uh, so, you know, kudos to uh, to uh, you know the Apple folks for uh, for Keynote, and um, 
and all the other great things. I, I you know, I've also been using uh, uh, pages, and uh, th- that's mm-hmm. also pretty fun. Uh, mm-hmm. a, l- a lot of great looks there. So yeah, I'm 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 enjoying it. Yeah, they've really. Apple's got the design stuff down. They do that. They do not have a shortage of. That's for sure. Yeah, they whoever whoever designs the look and feel of their apps is yep pretty pretty amazing. And it's just amazing how conversely how bad the Microsoft versions of those things are. Right, everything but looks y- like it's from the seventies or eighties, and and it's it's it just like nothing has changed. Like yeah. nothing has changed uh, uh, with you know uh, all the Microsoft stuff, or you know it, it's all the same. It's all the yeah. same. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing they did a few years ago was Mister Paperclip to oh, help yeah. to help you. <laughs> Everybody got really annoyed with that. Exactly. They didn't get rid of that fast enough. <laughs> right. But anyway, well, <laughs> and the start menu, right? And the start menu was like the biggest. That uh, was like the biggest travesty on earth, or something over there. Yeah, I know that some of the listeners out there are PC users and Windows users. We don't mean to slam it. I'm sure there's lots of there. I know there's lots of great stuff on PCs. And hey, I still I, I have to use it myself. So yeah. I, and I, I do too. I mean, I like mean, the, the the last segment, I, I couldn't get anything. Couldn't get the Mac version of the software to right. work for the exactly. Sigma stuff. So exactly. I had to use a PC. Yep. And exactly. it looked it looked exactly the same on the on the Windows machine. It didn't. Yeah. They hadn't put any Mac style that was that was special. And yeah. The, in the uh, back version. Yeah. <laughs> Other than the right. fact that it didn't work. Right, exactly. <laughs> they, they just couldn't get that thing to go. Right. Anyway, yeah. Cool. Well, cool. That's a great uh, story about Keynote. So Yeah, that's good. Now, uh, before we close out the segment, uh, yeah. a, a, a subject that's near and dear to my heart, because we, we had talked about it in one of our last episodes, which was my uh, breaking of my iPhone 6 screen and having to get it replaced yes and uh from what i understand keith you have uh been testing out screen protectors for uh uh for your iphone is that correct that is correct i actually ordered several screen uh protectors for my iphone 6 plus and veronica's iphone 6 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um i actually think i have a 6 plus s but it's the same Uh, the s is the same as the regular they didn't change dimensions or anything. Right. Um, but one of the things that I always experienced was that um, the screen protectors that are flat, um, y- there's always an edge. And now that the new phones are kind of cur- the glass is curved on the edge. Yep. There's always this bump that it, it it leaves a little bit of the surface unprotected. Correct. On the phones. So if you happen to have a case and you have one of those flat screen protectors on there, there's maybe like a sixteenth of an inch or more that's exposed around the edge. Correct. If even if you have a case on, so, uh, and I think you even got a situation where you you shattered your screen even though you had a screen protector on it. Right? I I had well, see, mine. I I don't really count that because my screen protectors are the plastic. It's mm-hmm. really just the. It's really just more for scratch resisting. It's not really there oh. to to protect it, but. I do have a case around it, and it's still shattered because where it fell, just fell on the one part right by the connector where it's not protected. So that's yeah. my beautiful aim that I have. <laughs> yeah. So um, in the case of... Uh, so I was actually looking for a tempered glass screen protector. Mm-hmm. So they actually make them out of glass as yes. well. Yes. And they're, And also one that 
that that would actually go over the edge of the glass to to protect the edge part of the glass as sure, well. Sure, sure. And there's not a ton of them, but there are a few curved uh, tempered glass protectors out there. Mm. They're not not the cheapest. Okay. Like the ones that I'm getting are about fifteen bucks, mm-hmm. whereas the really cheap ones are, you know, a dollar. But uh, but the the brand that I've kind of standardized on are the DNP. Uh, DMP 3D original curve fit series tempered glass protector, and uh, I guess it has a backside protector too, which I've never actually used. I think I throw that part away, mm. but <laughs> <laughs> the front the front part I use, and maybe if I maybe they have the version that just has the front part, and it might be cheaper. But I just noticed this right now. But uh, <laughs> it's like why right. is this extra piece here? Right. Why did they include this extra piece? I was wondering why they included that. Right. Anyway. Uh, so, so what it is, it's, it's actually, and the thing that's kind of, kind of cool about it in a way is that it's also a little bit easier to align because the curvy part of it, it's essentially like a, it is a 3d, it's not a flat piece. It's got an edge to it mm-hmm. with a little concave surface mm-hmm. in there. So it's kind of, it's pretty easy to align because, uh, if you don't align it right, then it's not going to fit. Right. Right. So, yeah. It's so almost it, form fitting. So it, it, it can only go one way. Yeah, and so have I. Have I used it, and does it work? Yes. Oh, really? Uh, yes. Oh, uh, I used it. I had it on once. I was at Costco in the um, the cold storage area where yes. they keep the vegetables. Uh huh. And I was doing the one handed thing with my phone. It slipped out. It it smashed flat onto the concrete floor. Oh, like flat. And you um, and you were expecting to pick it up and having to call. Uh, uh, the the guys over from Costco to hopefully mop up from the glass that had been shattered. Yes, and not to get their their vegetables contaminated. <laughs> but uh, right, yes. But yeah. I, but I picked it up and it was shattered. Oh, protector okay. was. And that's the thing about these right. tempered glass sure. protectors. They sure. they will shatter. Right. But they shatter to absorb the impact. Yes. Of, of it and 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 the underside the under glass the real part. The, the, the phone actual is, phone screen was well protected and well insulated. I, I wasn't positive, but when I got home and peeled it off, because I didn't want to peel it off and have little shards of glass all over. Or have the uh, general public watching you cry. <laughs> you wanted so, to do that in private, actually. Yeah. Some guy was in front of me when that happened, and he said, oh, that looks like a pretty hard hit. And I just went, <laughs> Shut up, you. Mind your own business and go get more cauliflower. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I peeled it off. The screen underneath was perfect. Oh, great! Um, anyway, got it on. Takes about fifteen minutes, really, if you if you're good at it. So, uh, yeah, it works. Haven't had a use to to replace that one on my phone. But Veronica, mm. who has an extremely cool case, but extremely slippery and unprotective case. Uh, okay, so, <laughs> so it, it, it a, looks it it looks good, but it doesn't do anything. It's like the anti-case because it makes the phone more slippery and more prone to break than it than it even is originally, which is pretty amazing. Hard to believe, right? Because it, it couldn't be the slipperiest thing ever. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's a wine glass. It looks like a wine glass, and it's mm-hmm. actually got liquid. You know how those? Oh yeah, like sure. some yeah. And sure. there's actually red liquid in there that moves ah. around. Oh, so it's it's nice. it looks like wine in a glass. Sure. And it's, it's such a conversation piece. Mm-hmm. Like everybody comments on it, so we can't get rid of the case, of course. Right. Get a more protective case. Sure. We need sure. To use that case, of course, of course. But it it does slip out of her hands or pockets or wherever she has it pretty often. Mm-hmm. 
So it happened once and it had a regular screen protector on it, the kind mm. that you had, mm -hmm. and the edge was exposed and it cracked. It didn't mm. crack the whole screen, but it did crack the edge, like okay. a little chunk. Okay. So there's a little cracked glass on the edge of her phone. Okay. Not hardly can hardly see it, but if you buy the white version, she has a white phone, so if you buy the white version, the actual part that that doesn't cover the screen is colored. So if you have damaged parts to your phone mm -hmm. in that colored non non transparent part, right, it actually will cover it up and make it look like a new phone. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. So not only did it does it protect her phone from subsequent hits. Mm -hmm. uh, it will also cover up the damaged parts. So we've used it like three or four times. Oh. <laughs> and it's worked effectively. Very good. It's like like we hear the phone drop. She goes, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I think I just, huh? I think like two weeks ago, I just replaced it. Right. Because I ran out of them, so I ordered a couple, and I just replaced it. And then like literally the next day, Drop, smash. Are you kidding me? So, so <laughs> you obviously have to have these in stock, essentially, is uh, is what you're saying. I have to have several in stock. Right. <laughs> every week. <laughs> Not really, but right. I think, I think I've gone through like three of them. That's great. So, yeah. That's but they protected the glass. They're yeah. easy to peel off, pretty easy to replace. So I would recommend the DNP 3D if you want to protect your phone mm -hmm. and have a fairly nice, smooth pretty much indistinguishable surface from the regular iPhone. I will uh I will investigate this because I'm looking on Amazon right now it's about 599. Um really? Is that the same one? Um the one that I order is DNP edge to edge. No, you want the original curve fit. The edge to edge is not oh, curve. Curve. Oh, curve full. Okay, so that's Yeah. That's this one here, I think. Yeah, this the edge to edge just doesn't go far enough to the edge. Edge to edge 3D curve full cover screen protector. Is that it? No, maybe that's not it. It's either. I think it's called 3D. 3D curve fit is the one that I use. Okay. I'm they make a bunch of different ones. Some are t they're all tempered, I think, of this brand. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, if it says tempered, it's tempered. But oh, this so one about is fif fifteen to sixteen bucks, something like that. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I've gone through a bunch of them. I like them. Mm -hmm. um, definitely saved me a few hundred dollars, mm -hmm. me and Veronica a few hundred dollars. Oh, sure. Multiple times, so sure. it's worth it for whatever, 50 bucks worth of... Because, you know, usually when you go to the mall and have the, you know, very enthusiastic yes. uh, mall mall person yes. put it on, it's like 50 bucks, so... Yeah, correct, correct, um, correct. And if you're, okay, if you're okay with doing this, and it's a little bit easier than the regular one because you don't have to align it as easily, as, yeah. as carefully. Yeah, those ones that just fit the screen are very difficult, and sometimes it is worth to have the guy do it for 20, oh, yeah. 20 30 bucks. So yeah. um, th at least you can take it back and have them do it again if you don't like it. But Right, right. So yeah. anyway, I'd recommend that for, for those people that need the curved... Surface. Very interesting. Very good. Yes. Very good. Good. All right. Well, uh, Keith, I think we've done a lot of uh, intro. Well, you know, we've done so much <laughs> intro, this might be the end of the show. But, uh, you know, I, th I think let's throw in uh, another segment at least uh, right after this. So uh, let's take a break. Let's recharge our batteries. And mm -hmm. uh, we will come back with uh, at least... Uh, one other uh, segment here, and uh, we will come back and do that. How's that sound? Okay? Sounds great. Very good. All right. Everyone, we'll come right back with more of the greatness that is Tech Move. 
Fighting. We're back here on Tech Move. It is Rod Louis Keith Moreau continuing our introductory uh, segments here, which is almost an hour and a half long now. So, yes. uh, Keith, I let's think, do more intro, shall we? Yeah, I think this episode is just one long intro. It, and and that's maybe that's what yeah. we'll make of it. So yes. uh, l- l- let's continue with more cool things that you've uh, got in your hot little hand. Uh, I see here on our little list of what to discuss, Phantom 4 cases and accessories. You got you got some new stuff with regards to the Phantom 4? Yeah, so one of the things about the Phantom 4 is it comes with a kind of a cool styrofoamy case, which I mentioned before. It's like a hard styrofoam, like the kind you'd get in those disposable coolers that you buy at the supermarket. Oh, yes, okay. Kind of like that, and it's all form-fitted to fit the Phantom, and it just ships in that. Like, when you get the box with the Phantom in it, it ships with this. And it's it's kind of cool, but it is a little potentially delicate. I mean, it's great because if you don't drop it or or anything, it will nicely hold the Phantom 4. Mm. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't kind of use it as my main case you, you mean as the as as the case you'll be carrying it to to gigs and so on and so forth you're not going to do it there um not unless i had no other cases right because it's just it, it's good for shipping it and maybe storing it in your house but that's about it so at least for me i right. just I feel like the, the moment i you know drop it or it gets you know handled by a baggage carrier it will just <laughs> it'll just break apart and right and then and we'll be gone. <laughs> and it'll be, be all dead. Up, sucked up by the vacuum or something. Right. It'll be all Little dead. Pieces. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. So anyway, so the, one of the first things I got was a pretty pretty uh, inexpensive backpack that I think was designed for a Phantom 3, but will fit a Phantom 4. Okay. Um, but the thing about things that are designed for 3s and fit 4s is they're just a little bit on the, the they're not quite tall enough optimally. Mm-hmm. They're they're a little on the tight side because the Phantom Four is a little bit taller mm-hmm. than the Phantom Three. Okay. So everything kind of sticks up a little bit more and kind of pokes into areas that it shouldn't poke into. Oh. But I did get a pretty a pretty nice backpack, which is it's really, it's it's really kind of cool. It's the one I took to Maui. Okay. And I just and I took and I did the carry on with that. So because of my Maui trip, I had four people, uh, in the whole trip. Right. Um. So. I had four carry-ons. <laughs> oh, okay. So I, I was able to use these people to, you know, <laughs> their carry-on quota to carry my gear. Right. So <laughs> I, was, uh, I used them. Right. The carry-ons. Uh, the only reason I brought them. Very good. But, uh, yeah. So one of the carry-ons was this backpack thing. And it's maybe a little bit taller than a than a legal carry-on, but nobody cared. And okay. It fit, fit really well into the thing. And the Phantom and all its accessories even are pretty light. So it was a nice little back. I just carried it around, and then I put it into the bin when I was ready to, the top right. bin. Right. So, um, and that was pretty good for that, as long as, you know, I didn't check it in. Like, I would never check this backpack. Oh, would, sure. You know, yeah, it right. would result in oh, destruction. That would be, th- that would be a problem. Yeah. So, um, so I was kind of counting on that. But even just bringing it around and bringing it to different sites and stuff, I could see that it wasn't that protective, potentially. So I kind of searched for other cases and i actually ordered from amazon like five different kinds of backpack cases oh really yeah all with positive and pos- positives and negatives mm-hmm. there's a really good um pelican case that's built for the phantom 4 mm-hmm. it's really nice like if you want to ship your phantom or if you want to check it 
get this get this case. Oh really? It is, okay. Yeah, it is, is, it, is, is it a hard case or? It's a hard case. It's kind of the typical pelican that has that hard, you know that hard plastic. Yep. And it's water, supposedly waterproof. Sure. Um, I don't think I don't know if I'd ever have I, a call to I, submerge it. <laughs> I don't know why they're. Well, you know what happens is that if the phantom uh, just automatically takes off on itself. And it takes the case with you, and it yeah. dumps itself into the ocean. Uh, at least you have a good chance of recovering it. <laughs> yeah, or maybe if you're on the Titanic and yes, and, and you're and you're trying to save your Phantom <laughs> right. before you save your kids, right. you'll throw it overboard right. and it will survive. Swim, Phantom, <laughs> swim! We're getting hijacked by pirates. Right. Throw the Phantom overboard; <laughs> it will survive. Save the Phantom. <laughs> Lawrence, save the phantom. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, anyway, so I ordered that and I ordered a few more. There's a few other cases that are kind of like knockoffs of this or their own versions of hard waterproof cases that sure. are also available. Sure. Um, anyway, so I ordered a bunch of those. They, the thing that I, I kind of wanted, though, out of all of them was to be able to be a backpack as well. Mm-hmm. Not to just have a roller case because that's not as versatile sure. as I would like. And I was trying, then they actually make these harnesses that convert cases like this into a backpack. And I actually ordered one of those when I first got these things. I said, well, if I ever wanted to, I could maybe put that hard uh, styrofoam case that came in it and make it a backpack if I needed to. Mm-hmm. So I kept that. I, it's beyond the return window, so I can't return it. So I tried, him, I tried that backpack converter thing on all these different hard cases. And they kind of worked, but I, I also felt like after about five minutes, I would just go, this is really uncomfortable and I don't want to wear it anymore. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so I, and then just in general, I didn't feel like I really needed the hard case. Like I'm not, if I, if I, if I flew a lot in situations where I needed to check it out, I would, I would probably get the Pelican hard case, but I returned it and I returned all the other hard cases, but I did settle on another really, really nice backpack. It's made by Lowy Pro. Oh yeah. yes, great yeah. great company, very good. Yeah. I considered them for my camera bag, but ultimately did not. But go on. Yeah, the all the Loa Pro bags that I've gotten over the years. I mean, I have one that's ten years old. Yeah, um, maybe longer, and I used it a lot, and it's still going strong. Sure. It originally held my. Um, no, I think I've actually had it more than ten years. I think I've had it more like twenty years. Wow. It's like in this amazing case. Like I had originally I had my HDV camcorders in it, and then. When I got rid of those and got the EX1, I had that in it. And so I, I really trust the lower pro stuff. There's a lot of other manufacturers that are also really good. but yeah. um, So I'm just going to look up um, the the model of this Phantom case that I got. Because um, actually it's quite impressive. It's probably not quite as efficient space-wise inside as it could be. Mm-hmm. But it, the construction and... and the, one of the things I wanted is I wanted something where if I fell, like fell on the back, it wouldn't just destroy my Phantom. Which I've ha- has happened to me. Is that um, right? Yeah, I've been in situations where I've slipped, and because the weight, you know, the center of gravity is kind of high, huh. I've actually fell on on back. You sure it's um, not an equilibrium problem that you might could, be suffering from? It could be um, yeah, an inner ear defect. <laughs> That's always possible. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. right, right. Um, no, I've I've been in situations where I've been carrying a lot of you know like fifty pounds of stuff, yeah. and so when you have that up high. And you're and you're walking on really slippery grass or yep. streams or whatever. Yep. But um, I'm just gonna look up this Load Pro thing and see what we 
we have here. Yes, it's the Drone Guard backpack. And it's not cheap. It's like 240 bucks. Um, I'm but, looking it up myself right now. Yeah. Lone Pro. 80 bucks, you said? No, 238 bucks. <laughs> oh, well, is the drone guard? Uh, it's the drone. It's the lower pro drone car guard backpack. Is there a yeah. model number to it, or that is the um, model? That's number? it. It's called drone guard. Okay, lower pro drone guard because they have a, a entire series of the drone guards. Oh, um, there's a three hundred, a four hundred, a four fifty. I think it's the four fifty. It's the most expensive one. <laughs> it's um, what is the model? <clears throat> Two hundred fifty bucks, and they're out of stock of it right now. Yeah, I think it's the four fifty. It's probably the four fifty. Yeah, it's the it's the, it's the biggest one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the it's the BP four fifty AW. Right. So the AW stands for all weather. So it's got a little um, covering if you wanna mm -hmm. if you bring it in the in the rain. Um, I don't know if I'd want to fly my Phantom in the rain. But yeah, I I, f I flew it actually in drizzling conditions, and it wasn't too bad. And how did it turn out? It turned out really well. I was a little afraid. Yeah, but um, getting more comfortable with it. I'm getting pretty comfortable. It's actually very, it's actually amazingly easy to fly. I, I'm if you just if you feel un not confident about getting a drone, you, you won't after this. Really. It is so easy to fly. I mean, I was basically letting kids fly it. Oh, I really? Felt, I, yeah, I like, felt like they, it would be really hard for them to crash it. Hmm. You know, unless they were flying low to the ground and just decided to dive. Right. And even then, there's so many safety features that it'll just pull up for you. Hmm. It's kind of kind of amazing. So, I think without with some of the safety features turned off, maybe maybe it wouldn't be as safe. But, um, yeah. So anyway, so that's what I got. I like it a lot. I actually haven't really used it in the field yet. I just got it. The the, the 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 backpack? backpack? Yeah. Okay. The backpack. Uh -huh. But but I'm pretty sure it's going to be great. Sure. So, um nice. Yeah, and then yeah, and then there's some other little accessories that I got for the Phantom 4. Um so one of the things that you if you want to make your stuff filmic, mm -hmm. um the way that the Phantom 4 camera works is it's just kind of um you can have it on all auto, but it doesn't have built-in neutral densities. Mm -hmm. So if you have it in auto mode, it will squeeze down the aperture to the point where it can't squeeze it down anymore. And, mm -hmm. and then it has to increase the shutter speed. And then mm -hmm. so you won't have that filmic 180-degree shutter that makes thing, makes the motion blur and everything right. correct. Right. Um, so you'll get into that situation where the shutter speed is just too fast and you get the private Ryan effect for mm -hmm. everything. Okay. So, um, so what you need to do is you need to put on neutral density filters. An ND you, filter. Yeah. So how do you put an ND filter on a Phantom 4 camera? You buy these little screw-on <laughs> ND <laughs> filters. The, the front part of the camera uh, is actually a covering. It's actually a protector. And it's, it's really, it's kind of hard to tell. It seems like it's all integrated, but actually you can unscrew it. Mm-hmm. And you carefully unscrew it. And sometimes it's kind of challenging to unscrew it. Like, it's really tight and there's nothing to grip on. Mm -hmm. But you can unscrew it. And then you just screw on these replacements. And there's all kinds of different brands of them. I just bought a couple different kinds. And so the ND filters themselves are third-party? Yes. Okay. Well, I th 
I'm not sure if DJI makes NDs or not, but the ones I got were third party. Mm-hmm. Um, really well reviewed. You could just find pretty much any of them on Amazon or elsewhere. Um, yeah, and so you basically will have to. You might it might be a little trial and error. You have to go to your environment that you're shooting. You have to set your shutter speed and 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 uh, you know to like to 50, like if you're doing 24p, you have to set it to 48 mm-hmm. of a second, and then and then see how bright everything is, and then try different levels of ND to make sure that for your particular scene, you're going to get a good exposure. Mm-hmm. And then when you do set up the camera, you have to set it to be in manual so it doesn't change exposure, uh, you know, to kind of adjust for everything. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, shooting manually. Okay. Yeah. Right, right, right. So that's... Nice. So that's, yeah, so that's kind of one... You know, there's other things you can adjust on the Phantom to make it more filmic. Of course, 24p, um, more of a... They have the, there's a kind of D-log in the Phantom. Okay. Um, it's It's a log format. Mm-hmm. And I've mostly shot on that, but there's also kind of a cine, like n- not not so extreme log format that you can also select. And some people that use it think that that's better, just because the codec that they're using isn't robust enough to expand the log without banding. Okay. So uh, you can try those two settings. And I, I'm still kind of experimenting with all my different settings, so I'll, I'll come back with a recommendation. But I'm leaning towards, I think, the cine setting rather than the log setting. Um and does and it then, look pretty? And does it look pretty filmic? It actually looks. It when you set it all right, it can look really filmic. Like mm-hmm. if your sharpening, if things aren't, if you turn your sharpening down a little bit, mm-hmm. and you, um, and you, uh, you know, do the right settings as far as the color and uh, exposure and uh, shutter speed, then it it can look pretty darn filmic. I I really wish that they would have a faster bit rate. Mm-hmm. On the Kodak, it mm-hmm. I think it only goes even in 4K it goes to 60 bit, uh, 60 megabits per second, mm-hmm. which is kind of low, you know. Like even the you know, like the GH4 4K is 100 megabits per second, and that's really not that high. I I would I would rather it go up to 100 mm-hmm. if, if they could, but it mm-hmm. doesn't. Um, yeah, but it can look pretty filmic, you know. As it's 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 on par with the GoPro 4. Okay. So well, good. Yeah. Well, and, and that's pretty good. Yeah, I think so. I think so for the fact that it's integrated, and you know, I just wish that they could up that bit rate. I'm not sure why they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because they're kind of saving it for their more expensive products that have higher bit rates. Because mm-hmm. like the Inspire and other drones that they sell have way better cameras on them. Maybe they don't want to cut into that market. Usually, it's a business decision when things like this exist. Of course. Yeah. But um, eventually, they they probably will. Um, yeah, and so there's that. There's also another thing that I'm kind of experimenting with. Um, so these batter the batteries for the fan cost about 150 bucks each. So you know it can kind of add up, and they they really only last about 20 minutes. Because mm-hmm. basically, after about 20 minutes, the Phantom software and everything will will get so annoying that you'll have to land it to turn off all the warnings. <laughs> so <laughs> warning, warning. Right. Do, 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 do. Well, land well. now. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, so it, it, 20 is about it for each battery. So that's that goes by pretty quick. Yeah, you know, I would imagine. Up, yeah. So I actually had originally had two batteries, then I got a third, so now I have three batteries. So I have enough for like an hour, but it still goes by pretty quick. So mm. what I thought was a good idea <laughs> Uh-oh. W- was to bring a charger and inverter with me 
um, in my in my case, and kind of as I was running out of the as the first battery ran out to charge it there. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, and it kind of worked. I got a battery. You can buy these pretty high capacity batteries. They're usually used to start cars. Oh right, but, sure, yeah. sure, sure, They're sure. Not... That that plugs into the cigarette and stuff, cigarette yeah. lighter and stuff. Yeah, they yep. they have little. Well, they actually also have little connector outputs, and you can put a. So what I do is I get one of these, and you and they have jumper cables. They're to jump start your car. Yep, when, exactly. When you have an emergency, so you can buy these adapters that plug into that. Normally, with the jump start clamps go to. Yep. And and then convert it to a twelve volt um, plug socket. You know, right. like a lighter socket. Right. And then you can plug in an inverter to that if you have an inverter or you can even plug in these new the a, a battery a 12 volt version of a battery charger that that works with the fan of four batteries mm-hmm. so i tried it with the inverter it's okay but it's not very efficient but then they then i saw found some pretty inexpensive third party um 12 volt converters mm-hmm. and chargers so i got a couple of those um but jury's out whether i think it's even worth it for the time you spend plugging it in and because it, it takes like an hour to charge one of those batteries and these are, they're not rated as far as like fast charge or anything like that, right? I don't think there's a fast charger for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Even when you put it on the, 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 the DJI charger, right? it still takes about an hour. Yeah. It's so, just got to go through its thing. I guess it's got to go. And so 20 minutes. You know, so it's, um, it's not really worth it because by an hour will pass by and maybe you're down to your last battery. Right. And so then maybe you could just use another, get another 20 minutes out of it. And right. that's it. Yeah. So I'm thinking maybe that wasn't such a good idea because they just don't charge fast enough. Um, but it was fun to try it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More it, gadgets. It, but, but but it is amazing how much, you know, how, how much extra stuff you cart along just to try this stuff, right? I mean, like, you know, this inverter and all this whole thing. I mean, I do the exact same thing. I, I try all this stuff and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. I I might bring them along and see how many ch- chances I have a, have to u- actually use it. Yeah, and then if I don't really use it that much, I'll just ditch it and buy another battery, which is really the, you know, the the real choice. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the 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 real thing is to just make the plunge. Get, get more, buy the get more batteries. Yeah, but get more batteries. Right. So yeah, so that's it. But I'm really I'm really happy with the Phantom War. I just did a. I did this uh, film that introduced this uh, sales kickoff for a big company, and I, <laughs> the their, the company theme was the Olympics. Oh, okay. So, um, I, I, we found a, a high school track, really nice track, um, and so I had these two executives in in shorts and <laughs> <laughs> carrying a fake torch. <laughs> and had them run around the track and pose and and I did all the stuff with the Phantom and they were like so jazzed by it. They liked it. They loved it. And then the actual footage came out. It was actually really challenging because it was quite windy. Okay. So it was really hard to keep the Phantom kind of on track. Sure. With some of the shots, like because I had this one specific idea in mind for a shot and it was really tough to keep it in in the shot and do the camera work and and everything and keep it from blowing around. So, uh, but it, but the final shot came out pretty, pretty good. Mm. I think not perfect in my opinion, but good enough for everybody to laugh and enjoy it. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So, um, in fact, I'll, I'll send you a copy of it. It's actually kind of a private video, but, uh, I think you get a kick out of the whole thing. I I, I would like to see stuff like that. Yeah. Those are always great. 
Um, actually, in that video, I also got to use the FS5 slow-mo, 240 frames per second a lot. Because oh. that makes really dramatic, you know, fake Olympic stuff, too. Right, right, right. So. <laughs> right, them running around and uh -huh. all this kind of stuff. And yeah. they're about to all have heart attacks. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and, pretty and, much. There's you know, a few, few people that were really pushing it. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Um, but it was fun. And How, um, how did the slow-mo turn out? The slow-mo turned out really good, but just with slow-mo, you need a lot of light. And oh, so you do. So, so it's really an outdoor type of thing that you really need to. If you are shooting indoors, you you really you could use a super fast. I wasn't using super super fast lenses mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think so. You need to make sure that you're using prime lens. If if you're doing indoors or somewhere there's not a lot of light, you mm -hmm. should be shooting indoors. And and I mean, you should be shooting with a really fast prime lens, and and maybe light it too because you're. If you do 240 frames per second, that means the shutter speed is now basically one-fifth of what it was before. Mm -hmm. So you're letting one-fifth the light in. Mm -hmm. So instead of a 48th of a second, it's now a 240th of a second. Oh, wow, yeah. At its, at its you know, full full 360 shutter. Right. Um, ideally, you might even want to make it even shorter than that, um, like 480, but mm -hmm. um, 480th. But... Yeah, so you need a lot of light. So what I found in some of my footage is a little bit noisy. Also, I think just in inherently it's noisy. I'm not sure why. On you know maybe because it's scanning so quick and it's just a noisier path in the camera. Right. Electronics path. But right. nobody cares. You know the people, the audience that was watching this don't care. They don't care. If, right. Yeah. If I was making a, you know, a blockbuster movie with the FS5. Right. Which wouldn't happen, but if I was, right. uh, <laughs> right. I would probably send that to my and and record ProRes using my uh, Convergent Design mm -hmm. Odyssey. Mm -hmm. Probably yeah. not. But anyway, so I'll send you that. I'll send you a link to that. Okay. That video. Oh, good. Enjoy it. Good. Um, yeah. So that oh that's, well, that that that's, th that's pretty neat as far as uh, uh so there is obviously a lot of things coming out for the Phantom Four. If not, they're already out there. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think I have a feeling it's a really popular drone. I think it, it could yeah. be one of their most popular yet because it's got all the bells and whistles, and it's just refined and it's really easy to fly and it makes really nice images, very steady. Right. So I think it has a lot of use. So I'm I'm using it a lot. So great. It's fun. There actually are there is a new FAA ruling too that now I can probably get licensed for it. So. Good. Yeah, FA. Yeah, if you're listening, be. don't just disregard what I said about filming this for a for a client. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. On on a on a football field with kids around. Um, no. And there was no wires and everything. There was nobody around. Sure. Yeah. There was just dummies. Right. <laughs> just in, inanimate objects. Right. You're CGIing them in uh, into your footage, <laughs> so don't don't be alarmed, everyone. Don't be alarmed. Yeah, but there's actually a pretty um, fairly easy path to getting a commercial license now for these smaller drones. Oh, okay. That they've that they've established, and we could talk about that in a later episode. Anyway, okay. good. So, um, yeah. So, do we have time to talk about anything else? Uh, l let's let's do a real quick one on Creative Cloud. Okay. And the updates and the pricing. I think that's very interesting. Let's talk about that and yeah. uh, uh, what 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 is out there. Yeah, so um, I've been dealing with this really great company called Tool Farm. They sell a lot of uh, software. Um, they also sell uh, creative cloud licenses for Teams. 
So um, back a couple of years ago, they actually, um, I think they sent me an offer or somehow I found out about it and it was actually a pretty good deal. I think it was like $35 or something, which was less than the, the normal everyday price for regular people, not for teams. Teams are, are meant for like businesses that have more than one people working on the software maybe. So, so like enterprise licenses, so on and so forth. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just had an enterprise license, but it was just one person, me. Oh, so you paid so much more for just the one person? No, what happened was I. It actually was less. Less. Oh, really? Because I think they had some kind of. They wanted. They wanted to popularize this idea of of the licenses for teams, mm-hmm. and so they they would just make it even less expensive than the other than the regular license for oh, single people, single interesting. users. So. Anyway, so I thought it was a good deal, so I signed up for it, and and it was actually good for two years. That same pricing, I think this might have been three years ago that I did it, maybe three years. So, mm-hmm. so for two years, I had a really good deal on this. It was less than the single pricing. On the third year, they raised the price, but it was still ab- on par with the single pricing, mm-hmm. and like about fifty bucks a month. So, but then this year, they sent me a renewal thing, and it was like eighty dollars a month. It. it th- because my discount period had kind of, had kind of run out, so I wasn't getting the discount anymore. I was going to have to pay full price. So then now, then I had to figure out, okay, I'm going to have to switch back to the lose use the single user or single loser <laughs> license, <laughs> right? And and uh, so anyway, I haven't gotten around to it. And actually, today is my expiration date. Actually, today, which is July 28th. So. I have one month. I had one month from now to uh, renew. They give you like a one month grace period before they just cut you off. Mm. So um, that's nice of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is nice that they don't just cut you off. That right. part's good. Uh, it's not nice that they keep raising their prices, <laughs> sure. which, which kind of is inev- inevitable. I mean, yes, they. It's like that's rent. How, what? It's like rent. It's like rent, and yeah. and now they have all these captive users mm-hmm. that are subscri- su- subscribers that sure. have projects and things that cannot run on the old software. Right. In fact, they go out of their way. Adobe goes out of their way to make every single update, even though it's like a point update, mm-hmm. totally incompatible with the last. So if you want to use an old project, you have to import it into the new version. Oh. And then from then on, you can't even use an old version to open that file. So no backwards compatibility, nothing. No backwards. Well, it's compatible with old versions of your Premiere files, mm-hmm. but older versions of Premiere are not compatible with newer files. Okay. Because they've just, you know, made li- some little change. And I'm sure it's, I don't think it's a technical reason. I'm sure it's a business reason. They're just saying we need to sure. lock lock people into this. Right. So, and it kind of makes sense. Kind of like what Apple does with their software. They kind of make their Macs not as efficient on the newer software. Or right. All that kind of stuff. So, sure. Everybody does it. It's just the way it is. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, li- I like Apple, how they... And, and then when a piece of hardware gets a little bit older, a little bit long in the tooth, they, they just won't even they won't support uh, ad- it anymore. admit that they even exist anymore, which is so yeah. funny. Yeah, like you like you uh, call the support line and then, okay, what what kind of Mac yeah. do you have? Yeah. Oh, I have an iMac. Click, click. Right. <laughs> exactly. Click. Like my iMac 2010... Click. I, I think I might have another year. I might have another year before it, it's probably no longer supported. Yeah. To be fair, though, uh, Apple stuff is amazingly uh, future, future-proof. Yes. I mean, 
the I find that maybe the iOS devices are less so, but the computers are pretty pretty darn amazing. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I have a computer that was basically designed six years ago, and it's still running great on the very newest version of the software. Yeah. And six years in computer life is pretty, pretty darn old. That is really good. Yeah. yeah. That is good. So anyway, getting back to Tool Farm, et cetera. So I was about to you know, do the whole whatever amount of hassle it is to switch over to the single user type license, and I hadn't even you know, thought about that yet. And I guess I was, I guess in in, in a way, I'm glad that I kind of procrastinated because today I got an email from um, Colin Sharp of Tool Farm. So it's Jason Sharp and Colin Sharp. I think they're the guys that run Tool Farm. Okay. So that either one is always emailing me and I'm not sure who to respond to. <laughs> but um, anyway, one of them said, hey, we've got this kind of, in a way, it's kind of like a workaround to get a really good deal. D- Adobe just started offering it. It's basically adding a license to your team's at a discount. Hmm. So what you do is you add a license to your team's uh, discount. So you basically have two licenses, mm-hmm. and then the old one expires, and you still have your new one. So the the new extra one, it could be kind of like if I got an employee and I wanted to add one. Well, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like a workaround. It's okay. like a loophole. Yeah. So if Adobe is listening, you know, you'll probably shut this down. and <laughs> Right, prevent, and think of pre- some other way to, for yeah. us to have to pay more money. Yeah, or it could have been that they were noticing that a bunch of people that were single users were starting to defect to the to the uh, regular user team, mm-hmm. the regular user type of license, not a team license. Sure. In fact, for about two months, I've been getting calls from the Adobe business people saying, "Hey, it's time to renew your license," and I'm telling them, "Hey, you know, you raised it thirty bucks a month. I'm not going to get it anymore. I'm going to go single user. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? Because I don't want to pay an extra twice as much, basically, per right. month." For yeah. the same exact thing, yeah. and they said, you know, you're, you guys are really nice, but I'm not gonna, you know, pay double for nothing for no yeah. reason. Right. So uh, they said, okay, we'll take your feedback into account. So maybe they got enough feedback. Like, like, I, like I probably wasn't the only person that did this. There probably maybe hundreds or thousands of people that did the same thing. Right. That said, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out of your team program and <laughs> go to the single. Pro- so they had, an, maybe they had enough where they felt, oh, maybe we should just kind of sneak this in so we can still keep people on the teams uh, type of license. So anyway, I don't know what goes on back behind, but I, but I suspect it's something like that. Anyway, yeah. so yeah. I got an offer from um, Colin or Jason this morning of Tool Farm saying, hey, we got this thing, and then all you have to do is do this. And and so I signed up for it, and now I'm, I've am i got another year. And it's basically, it's, it amounts, it's $600 a year. So it's basically 50 bucks a month. So it's exactly the same as the single user license. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not losing anything, and I don't have to go through the hassle of changing the type of license I have to a different type of license. That's it's good. Ki- kind of seamless, so it was less trouble for me. Right. Same price, but less trouble. No, that I, uh, that's good. Yeah. So that's a that's my story. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that I I think that's important, but it is it is kind of funny how I, I remember when Creative Cloud. You know when we moved away from uh from the suite right from from actual you know software we purchase yeah from buying the software and then getting upgrades until the next version and then upgrade it exactly if you wanted to and then you and i had this talk about the creative cloud right and then they did the creative cloud the subscription basis and stuff like that so i remember us when we were talking about this long before Mm-hmm. Uh, about when Creative Cloud came out, you had to subscribe, and all of our concerns when that came about. And 
it sounds like this is still more of the same. Would you agree with that? Um, I think it was kind of inevitable. Yeah. And I think the concern about subscription versus buying software is um, always going to be going to be a uh, bone of contention for for the uh, end user. Um, I mean, there's there's good and bad aspects to the subscription, um, but after three years of subscribing to the Adobe stuff, um, I don't I don't really find that they are upgrading or updating or fixing bugs any faster than before. Oh, is that right? Really? Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't feel like the feature set that Adobe Premiere has added in the last, even you know, since it switched over, is really that significant. You know, it's not gotten. I feel like it's gotten less stable, not more stable. Really? Huh? Yeah. I. I they've added a few interesting features, which I don't really use that much, like tracking, um, and uh, the morph cut, which for the very, very first time I actually used it successfully after trying about 10 different times and it not working. <laughs> so I did, was able to use it on a shot recently. Um, once, right. <laughs> um, I still get, uh, it seems like it destabilizes my computer a lot. Premiere pro and encoder seems like it, it's making my computer crash. It could be something else, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's, it's always triggered by the premier software. It's like, and my computer is totally stable until I start running Premiere. And then it becomes unstable and crashy, and I have to be really concerned about projects and things. Um, really, huh? Yeah. So I kind of feel like, and they keep introducing all these new features to the other software too, like Photoshop and stuff like that. It's like almost unrecognizable now. <laughs> so, like, so when I launch, I have like five different versions of Photoshop that I'm licensed for. So I keep, I usually keep the older versions just in case of sure. everything. Sure. And you can do that when you install the software, which is a good idea. Just you can check a box saying don't delete the old versions. Okay. And and I don't really I don't care if I'm using the 2014 version of Photoshop or the 2016 version. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Um that I'm that level of user. Maybe if I was a super power user and was just really into it. So I I personally probably could be still using software from pre subscription and be super happy. Right. That's my feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like it's it's really advanced them, but they've gotten a lot more money out of me sure. than, than they would have. So, so when the days of buying a version, you know, where do we, where did we leave the uh, the Creative Suite five five five? Was that was that what uh, it was? Uh, six was the last version. Six six zero. Was, yeah. was was the last. Yeah. Uh, and really, you, there wasn't a lot of progress between 5.5 and 6.0. They were, in my opinion, really similar. Right. And, and and so if they would have stuck to that original model, would you have been happy with that? Or, or are you now just not, you know, you're not really feeling this whole subscription thing and there, it's just really just, you know, squeezing money out of you? Well, since I'm a professional and I can write all this stuff off as a business expense, it's not, it's not super... It doesn't have a huge impact to me. It's just like a $600 a year expense. Mm -hmm. And for that, I get the latest, potentially latest and greatest Adobe software. Right. And I get all of it. I get all the the whole thing, even stuff that I don't really care about, but maybe I'll care about someday. Right. And if you bought these individual pieces of software, it would add up to a lot. 
Oh, sure. If you had to individually, you know, by Photoshop, by Premiere, by by Audition, whatever they call it, um, all the different apps that are a part of it, mm-hmm. even the Flash, their Flash software, their web designer software, all that stuff. Right. I mean, you, the, the cool thing is you, if you want to kind of have this buffet smorgasbord, you've got it. You don't have to even can think about it. So that part's kind of cool. Right. You know, sometimes I'll want to like whip out InDesign and do something. Well, I can, I can use the very latest version. Of course, I could use an old version because it's for me the same. Mm-hmm. But but if I wanted to use the latest and greatest and have that ability for some new feature, I could. So that part's kind of cool. Um, and I think if I was on the old model, mm-hmm. I would always be having to make a decision. Should I should I buy the new software? Should I invest in the upgrade? Now I don't have to do that. So it's kind of like one less complication in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's costing me money, it's like make it it's simpler. Right. All I have to do is pay. I don't have to think. <laughs> so, and, and kind of in a way, I mean, there's a lot of thing, conveniences in life that you do, that you do think of that way. Like I really don't want to, you know, generate my own solar power and electricity in my house. So I just pay PG&E or whatever. Right. Right. And maybe that's not a good example, but. Um, you know, I really don't want to like, you know, dig a hole in the ground and refine my gasoline. Right. Um, so I pay somebody, I mean, there's, cause I don't have to think about it and worry about that part of life or I don't really feel like washing my car myself. I want to drive it and have somebody else do it. Right. Or, or I don't want to garden like you were just saying your gardeners come. I don't want to have to do all that landscaping. I want somebody else to think about it and do it. Right. So I think it's maybe kind of like that. It's like this convenience. Sure. In a way. It's like one stop buffet that's it right no i get it yeah you know and it it works out for some uh, i i just for me personally uh i just um i don't know i i I don't i i'm not big on that subscription where where they just have you just by the throat at that point i know and actually there have been there were quite a few um, people on the Adobe forums that just said, that's it. I'm done with Adobe. And they yeah. were just so into Adobe before that. Right. They were like always posting, you know, like hundreds of posts and thousands of posts and talking about how great Adobe stuff was and how great their projects were. And then as soon as that subscription thing became, you couldn't, like you couldn't avoid it. There wasn't a choice. Right. They just said, bye. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I understand that, but it's, it's like, you, if you're a professional, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't exactly. just say bye. Right. Exactly. There's nothing. There's nothing to go to. There's no other choice. I guess you could go to Final Cut um, Ten, mm-hmm. but boy, we haven't talked about that in a long time. Yeah. And <laughs> and there's some. And then and then Blackmagic um, DaVinci has editing in it now, too. Kind of r- rudimentary editing, mm-hmm. and it's free. Yeah. So I I wish you know I hope that they become they get put a lot of more pressure on Adobe for that. Sure. Um. But, you know, another thing I found found is, like, I was really, really into the Adobe stuff because it was so much like Final Cut 7 and you didn't have to transcode. Right. That was like, that's, you just needed a powerful computer to interpret all this new codecs and stuff. But what I'm finding with 4K is that unless you transcode it, it's unusable. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's just, you can't edit fast enough. Everything's too laggy. It's always trying to process stuff. Oh, yeah. So for the last couple really important projects where I r- really had a deadline, I just said there's no way that I am going to uh, finish this project in time unless I transcode everything. 
So I just went through the pain. I spent like, I had a really huge project that had, you know, lots of hours of footage and I just put it in this app called Edit Ready from mm -hmm. Diverg Divergent Media, I think. Mm -hmm. And it just transcoded it all to ProRes, different flavors of ProRes depending on what I selected. Mm -hmm. And and it was like butter, editing in Premiere. Really? Yeah. yeah. It was really a great experience. But I had, you know. But it wasn't, um, in, it, it wasn't in 4K, right? It was. It, it. I did transcode it all into 4K, mm -hmm. and I was using a 4K sequence. And then at the end, I well, actually, what I did was I had a 4K ProRes footage, and then I'd put that into an HD sequence. And then I just, uh, if I just, I could reframe it if I wanted to, or I could just shrink it by 50% mm -hmm. and make make it a an HD frame. Mm -hmm. Um, but. In ProRes, that was so smooth and so quick and so responsive and less, a lot less crashy. Yeah. Um, in the original MXF formats or 4K um, XAVC, it was like you could click on something and then maybe a minute later something would happen. And then it would be all stuttery or black or whatever in Premiere. So this whole thing about the Mercury engine native, trans it's not, it's not valid anymore with all this, these huge complicated compressed files that right. these cameras put out. Right. So in a way, the kind of reason for me to, to have all this premier stuff is almost starting to go away. Mm -hmm. Like, because, you know, like Apple, they just always transcode their stuff. The, the Final Cut 10. Right. It's just like as soon as you start importing, it just starts transcoding. And then you have a big a big blob of transcoded uh, footage mm. that you that you edit with, and that's why it's so smooth and works well for people. So anyway, wow. I, I may I may possibly delve into the Final Cut 10. You might, because, you know, I haven't heard about a lot of outrage with Final Cut uh, in its most recent iteration, so you, unlike when, <laughs> unlike the time when you first moved to Premiere uh, in the first place, was because of you know because of the changes that were done in Final Cut. Yeah, yeah, I think it's matured to the point where it's professional software now, mm -hmm. and and the people that are really into it are. The, the people that use Final Cut 10 and, and use it professionally are really into it. I'm not hearing a lot of complainers. I'm not hearing a lot of, oh, yeah, I use Final Cut 10 if I want to do something kind of quick and dirty, but I wouldn't use it for professional use. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everybody who's into it says, it's really ready for prime time now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. I, so you might try it. I might if I have time. The problem, I'm so overloaded and everything that I don't really have that much time to learn a whole new way of doing something. Right. And then also just the whole media usage thing. Because honestly, when I did this project, you know, this the thing that I transcoded, I, I had to I had to gather footage from like 58 shoots. It was like 58 wow. days of shooting. Wow. And uh, it was probably, I don't know how many hours of footage it, it was, but it was a lot. And because and there was multiple cameras in a lot of cases. So... Uh, it, it basically took up a whole ter 12 terabyte RAID drive, wow. the transcodes, <laughs> just for that one project. Gee whiz. You know? And yeah. so now I have this 12 terabyte drive. <laughs> full full, of, full. Of, of this one project, it's a yeah. single project. Yeah. 
so I don't know quite know how I'm going to deal with more projects like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do I just kind of get rid of all the transcoded stuff and redo it, retranscode it again when the time comes and have to relink it all if I want to do anything with that old project? That's kind of a pain. That's a lot of labor. Yeah. Do I just back it up onto cheap drives and just hope for the best? Knowing that if I do somehow lose those drives, I can always regenerate the transcodes. Mm-hmm. There has to be some kind of efficient strategy to deal with this in the mm-hmm. future. Right. It's not, there's not a whole lot of, you know, there's not a whole lot of uh, answers, easy answers. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I mean, you know, f- I would think that, you know, getting some cheap drives, throwing them in the closet once you've, uh, you know, transferred on there because what are the chances of you coming back to it? I don't know. You know, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that's the way. Yeah, maybe it is. But then if I chance it onto a drive and it's too cheap and slow, right? It I'm going to have to copy it onto a faster drive. Right. And so I'm going to have to allow for a day or whatever to copy you know, 12 terabytes of footage or whatever mm-hmm. amount. It's mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's not instant. It right. takes time. You have to set it up. You have to do the copy, it, and then you have to maybe link everything to this new drive, which is also really time consuming. So it's not it's not trivial. Yeah, it's right. not like a no brainer. It's it requires a lot of thought. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah thought planning. Mm-hmm. I mean, where you're going to store the darn thing. Yeah. Should I just get drives that I think are fast enough to do this? Tr- transcoded editing mm-hmm. um you know like is there is there a way for me to have offline stuff that i can bring online really quickly without without um you know transferring the project over mm-hmm. the, these are questions i need to i need to address very soon yeah <laughs> i would say yeah would say. so anyway wow Incredible. so all of that's kind of hand in hand with you know is premiere pro really worth keeping around or not yeah, yeah. Well, I I would like to to see uh you know you go back to Final Cut and uh you know because it has been so long yeah since since you've uh, been down that road that you know who knows what it's like now. I mean, that, you, you you really would be coming at it from a you know from brand new eyes. Yes, very fresh yeah. perspective. Very fresh. Yeah. So we'll see. I'll um. You know, I might dabble. I have a little time in the next month. Maybe I'll dabble with it a little bit, but I really can't see myself converting over on major projects. Yeah, right, soon. right, right. Well, maybe it's something that you could try out as as you go along or something like that. Yeah, if you have any suggestions, right, let me know. <laughs> sure, well, fantastic. <laughs> All right, good. Well, hey, I think um, I think that's going to wrap up uh, this episode. I think we're probably fairly close if not over a couple hours for yeah. this uh reintro th- this show of nothing but introductions um <laughs> it's a show of nothing but let's let rod and keith catch up on things and you know what we're we're only scratching the surface ladies and gentlemen we haven't really even delved into the real meat and potatoes of anything we're uh we're just kind of catching ourselves up and as well as catching you guys up, so um, well, let's uh, let's reconvene at another time and and let's uh, churn out another episode. But let's uh, let's put this one in the vault, just like your uh, <laughs> Premiere Pro uh, 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 projects, <laughs> and, and let's and let's throw this onto a cheap drive uh, that we could 
that we could get. Maybe even a used one. Or maybe refurbish would be best, I think. Refurbish drives. Refurbish drives the would best be fantastic. Bet. The most reliable. The ones that you gotta hit with a butter knife to unlock the freezing of it. So mm-hmm. um I hear yeah. actually if you put them in the freezer. Yes, I've and read then you that take too. Them out. Yeah, yeah. You you, so. you, you you freeze it. You, what it, and it gets you about a good ten minutes, and then uh, offload everything. And that see, you get yourself. A che- <laughs> that's why get yourself a cheap drive. Unload everything out once you're done. Fantastic. <laughs> that's the answer. I just came up with it just now. Better yet, you know what? Burn them all on DVDs or or Blu-rays. Dude. Burn twenty five <laughs> gigs on Blu-rays, even though I, you'll have like. A million terabytes worth of stuff. You'll just be a burning machine. Speaking of uh, DVDs, I have a box in my office yes. that I haven't that I, I bought like three hundred uh, dual layer DVDs. Yes, they're eight. They're, they hold eight gigabytes. Yes, and I was stupidly thinking that this would be my archival storage system, and it's still this box up on the shelf that's never been opened <laughs> with all these brand new unburned. DVDs. You, you, you know, I would be interested in them if they were Blu-ray uh, no. blank discs, but no. uh, but I I actually have graduated to the Blu-ray blank discs as an archival um, medium. So yeah, uh, which helps which helps a bit. I, I you know the dual layer eight gig thing. That's uh, that's a that's a I I can't see Keith Moreau doing that. <laughs> I can't really see Keith Moreau doing that. No, I'm no. Gonna... Unless you have a dedicated, like, one of those uh, uh, dedicated burners where, like, they make, like, 10 copies at a time type of thing. Even that won't do you any good because you wouldn't want to do copies of the same one. So, I, I've actually dabbled in maybe getting an LTO system. Whoever he is. What's that? Um, it stands for Linear Tape Something. Oh. And, yeah. The oh, tape really? Backup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've oh. I've researched it a little bit. They cost the drives cost about, and the software with it cost about three thousand or more dollars, and the tapes are maybe sixty dollars for ten terabytes or something like that. Now, now, the, now this isn't like the uh, old DAT recorders we used to use in the studio, right? It's pretty close. I think the tapes are similar. Mm-hmm. I, they might be a little bit bigger. But it's apparently a very reliable way to archive stuff. The problem is you always have to copy it back to something to really use the sure. use it on it NLE. So, but I have have thought about you know just for archiving. Um, but I'm just thinking, yeah, maybe drives drives are all probably a lot cheaper in the long run because three thousand dollars worth of drives is a lot of drives at this point. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Well, well. Yeah. Hey, that's uh, for another episode for us to diagnose and dissect. So, uh, yep. uh, okay. Well, Keith, another fantastic episode, and uh, we will continue uh, with more uh, updates in our next episode, which should be uh, filled with a lot new of new uh, information. And I think we're going to introduce a couple new segments uh, to boot mm-hmm. in our next episode. So uh, we ask you guys to stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, uh, Keith, how can the good folks out in podcast land get hold of us? What are the different ways? I always forget. Well, uh, you can uh, go to our, our Facebook page. It's just ah. uh, Facebook uh, slash Tech Move Podcast. Excellent. Uh, you can go to our website, 
which is techmovepodcast.com, which actually is probably the best way to really kind of catch up because sure. there's a lot of good info and, and links and stuff like that. Yes. Um, there you can find out how to subscribe uh, to our podcast. So you can you can easily subscribe to us if you go to uh, iTunes and just click te- Tech Move Podcast and it'll come up and you can s- subscribe and see all the reviews and stuff. We'd like you guys to review us too. Oh yeah, course, give uh, us some give us some uh, good reviews. We do uh, encourage we've actually that. Had a, yeah, we've had a few good good five star reviews recently. It's nice to have good feedback from people yes. Yes. that enjoy our podcast. I agree. And um, yeah, and then if you want to support the co- podcast, we have an uh, affiliate affiliation with Amazon. It's um, an easy way to just uh, help us is to go to techmovepodcast.com slash Amazon. And that brings you right to Amazon, but it puts a little cookie there so that they know that you came from our site, from our podcast. And then we'll get a commission on stuff. Which helps us keep afloat. Uh, this merry little party we do every uh, so often. Yes, yes. Uh, it's, it's better than one of those um, Pelican cases for the DJI <laughs> Phantom. Right. Even better. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'd like to, you know, speaking about reviews and stuff like that, uh, on our Facebook page, I know that sometimes we get likes on uh, on the podcast or um, in, in some of those comments. I want to send a shout-out to, uh, I think... Um, we got a like from a friend of mine. His name is Gus, and oh. uh, he uh, he is actually a filmmaker himself. And oh, I cool. think his uh, personal genre is uh, horror, if I remember. Well, he and I used to work together many, many years ago, uh-huh. and um, uh, it's amazing that even though we haven't talked in a long while, uh, it's amazing how we can still, uh, in some ways, be in touch by these silly little social media types of uh, endeavors here, like our little podcast and Facebook and so on and so forth. That's really cool. So, Gus, thank you so much for for giving us that thumbs up. Ladies and gentlemen, we encourage you to hit us up on the website, on the Facebook, on the Twitter. Oh, we also have Twitter. We're at Tech Move Podcast. That's our handle. You can also catch us on Stitcher. Okay, I think that's enough. Keith, I think we've covered it all. I've had enough. I am ready to shut things down and get out of the studio. The studio rental fees are astronomical, and we need you folks to get on that Amazon link to help us pay for the studio time. But uh, we want to thank you for joining us. And and make sure you join us for our next episode. Again, we'll be doing more interesting stuff, and we're going to be doing more... Uh, segment stuff so anyway hey for uh the great keith moreau keith thank you very much for being with us today thank you rod and uh that is keith moreau i am rod louis your merry and jolly host and we want to thank you again for joining us on another terrific episode that we call tech move see you later everybody 